Welcome to the Rogue Bogues podcast with Mike Procopio and Andrew Bogut, two guys that put the canceled in cancel. Here's your host, Andrew Bogut. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. All right, pro. And new, new NBL champion, pro. Come on, man. Oh, I'm sorry. The canceled champion, <laughs> Andrew Bogut. <laughs> big week. It has been a big week. Um, a lot going on. Congratulations, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, still feeling a bit of those those drinks from after the game, as you just opened one. Uh, but a great week in the NBA, man. It was some good games. Um, and, and what we want, we've got two game sevens, which these assholes in the US don't think about little old Australia. One of them's at fucking 4 a.m. Thank you very much, NBA. So I'm, I'm not waking up for that shit. I have to watch that replay. But uh, a lot going on NBA-wise. Let's get right into the, the playoff review. Um, we've got a few teams knocked out. So we'll discuss the series and then where these teams are going. But Miami versus Philly, we both got one right, pro, 4-2 for Miami. I think, um, you know, the the, the whole Embiid being out early, I think that really cost Philly. And I think it just just fucked up their flow. Um, He's in and out of the lineup. Um, One game, it's the Harden show or the Maxi show. And then you've got, you know, Embiid coming back into the lineup and then, obviously demanding touches, so that changes things. So, you know, flow is very important in playoff series, very, very underrated. But anyway, Jimmy Butler, uh, he's been fantastic. And I, I just, you know, in, in a world of analytics and a world of three ball, three-point shots being very valuable, he's kind of the anti-analytics, um, in my opinion. But he doesn't shoot many three balls, and when he does, they're not a great clips. But 27.5 night points, uh, 7.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists. And just, just solid. And, and I saw some comments from PJ Tucker that he made that before he got to Miami and before he played with Jimmy, he thought he was. He said, oh, he was. I thought he was just all right. I thought he was a star, but he was just all right. And after playing with him, he's he's a gun. Um, he just gets it done for us. Um, he's he's a grind. He plays both ends. So pretty interesting. PJ's played with obviously some very very talented players in his career. Obviously, always been as a role player. He was in Houston, uh, Milwaukee. So. To hear those comments about, and you hear, you generally hear that from a lot of people that have played with Jimmy. And now he's got his, he's got his warts. He does get fired up at times, as we saw. But awesome, uh, Max Strauss came on late in that series, really big. He was eleven and six for the series, so not eye popping numbers. But he was, th- he had thirty nine and twenty one in the last two games combined uh, for a guy that you know was was essentially a two way guy, right? Um, at one point, and came in and was huge for him. Miami, so many defenders to throw at a Harden. Um, that's what impressed me. They had so many guys they could put on James Harden, change the matchups. Then you got Bam with his help uh, off the ball and length. Jimmy help like Oladipo got some minutes uh, at Harden. Um, Vincent uh, gave Vincent, you know, picking him up full court, making him, you know, making him work to bring the ball up. I thought that was very, very important for him. Like I said, Joel out, they never recovered. Tyrese Maxey was their leading scorer pro, which was interesting. Um, I know Joel got hurt, but you know, 20 point to a night, Embiid was second with 19.8. I thought Harden was pretty pretty bad this series, um, or for the playoffs in my opinion, but this series specifically. He was 18, 6, and 7. And most of the time you think that they're very good numbers, but 4.8 turnovers a game and, and 40% field goal percentage and didn't get to the line as much as he usually does. Um, only only six odd times a night, you know, usually. 
James Harden to be successful, 10 plus free throws a night, and he's usually having a night. But um, we got some shit pro. The, 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 the Tyrese Maxey versus Harden thing we spoke about last week was deemed fake news pro. So we had, ah. we had someone tweet us that, oh, it's fake news. He just had to go see Sam Cassell. Uh, Sam Cassell was calling him. I'm like, well, he sat next to Sam Cassell first. Why did he move? <laughs> anyway, I t- we, we took it in stride. We said, okay, fair enough. But last game, the same thing happened. Um, Tyrese and Harden got into it on the bench. So I don't think it's conspiracy theory anymore. I think there's some tension there. I think it comes down to if you watch a few of the James Harden ISOs where he's between the legs, behind the back, step back, Tyrese was off the ball. You could see the body language, the hands going up in the air, like what the fuck are you doing? Um, that was interesting. And beat again, Pro has gone at his teammates post game um, for a second straight season. Quote on James Harden: Everyone expected the Houston James Harden, but that's not who he is anymore. He then went further on to say that he was more of a playmaker for us, and we wanted him to ratchet up the the um, the, the scoring load for us when we needed it. But he, he continues to take jabs at his teammates um, out 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 the door, and then and then heavily complimenting Jimmy Butler as well. You know, somewhat a slap in the face to a Tobias Harris and and maybe a few other guys, but that was interesting as well. But um, what was your take on the series? And give me your thoughts. Yeah, just like we talked about, you know, you know, at the beginning of the series, without Embiid, you know, for the first couple of games, it, it just it, it really set the tone for the whole for the whole deal. I, I just didn't expect them to really put much of a put much of a fight up. I mean. What it did help is Maxi's, you know, value because he he really played well. I mean, he he really showed that he could carry the load to be somebody's second or third best player and you know be able to score you know regularly and be consistent. Uh, James Harden really, you know, I mean, obviously this didn't have much of a series, you know, compared to what he usually does. And Nats, I just thought Miami just was too much. I mean, Miami getting value from guys like Max Strauss and you know. You get Strauss and you get even guys like Gabe Vincent gives you minutes. Dwayne Dedman gives you minutes. On top of the other guys, obviously the Butler, the Adebayo, the Heroes. But, like, uh, it's just amazing that they just continue to get value out of those other guys that either second round, undrafted, and um, just sort of castaways that they could just sort of put on, you know, uh, put on a path to sort of help a team, a high-level team win. And I just didn't think that Philly showed much consistency. And, and that's a big, that's, that's a huge problem that he couldn't guard anybody. You know, uh, you know, when Embiid came back, he obviously gave him some, some help, but it was just too inconsistent with the whole group. And look, their bench wasn't very good. It just, they didn't have the shooting they needed. Guys didn't step up the way they needed to. And, and again, that just shows value. When, when you're missing somebody like Embiid, you know, your best player, then that's, that's sort of like 30 plus minutes that somebody else could step up. And that really shows you true value in the league. And, and I, you know, you obviously just nobody really stepped up besides maybe, you know, I think Tyrese Maxey, you know, gave it a good, you know, gave it a great effort and it just wasn't enough. And yeah, it's just a shit show. Like great players like Embiid, they're going to be, you know, sometimes you could have class with it and, and just sort of save it especially when you lose a series and you're pissed that you're, you're out and you're ultra competitive, like you're going to say some shit sometimes. And, you know, Kobe was like that. MJ was like that. Maybe not to that effect in the media. He might've probably did it behind closed doors, but it's just, that's, that's what it's going to bring out. Losing brings out a lot of this in people and that it brings out frustration. It brings out feelings. And, you know, look, the stuff that he said about Harden was pretty true. I mean, it, he wasn't what he was in Houston his body's like 
when guys like that, when their body starts taking a hit and look, when you're young enough, you could have a bad body and still be really good. And he, what he did, but that shit takes a toll. All the late night stuff, all the, the miles that he puts on his body and then stuff off the court. He can't get to the hoop pro. He literally can't get to no. the hoop anymore. He can't get no, he can't. And that's killed his game. Like the step back was so valuable. He's so valuable, a valuable tool in his arsenal because you were like, shit, he can get to the hoop. He had that floater. He 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 had that lob guy in um in Houston with Capella, and then he could get to the basket and get to, like he doesn't he doesn't even attempt to get to the basket anymore. Um, and I think that killed him. Like it just they they just sat on that step back and we're like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna make you get into the paint. And he he just doesn't have that step anymore. And- and look, he can make bad shots. He, he's, he's able, he was one of the best bad shot makers or tough shot makers in, in the league in the last, you know, five or six Maybe years. Maybe a history, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and he doesn't shoot really like you think about it, how much of an offensive weapon he was. And he was never really shot like huge percentages from three. He Now in volume, he makes them, but like, it's not like he's this efficient player like that. Now he'll score every night. He's consistently a scorer. But it's not like he shot these amazing, you know, amazing stats from the field, like, you know, especially from three. You know, he'll shoot like 35, 36. I think he shoots 36 for his career. So it's not like he's like 42 from the three. And, you know, he can get to the line. He can drive into the basket. He's a great finisher. And he could just make these amazing shots. And when and that's the thing. He's just inconsistent shooting it. But I'll tell you what. Like you saw that in Oklahoma City, how much of a great passer he was in limited time that he played. And you saw some of it. You know, a lot of it was stat chasing at times throughout his career, but he has great vision. He can definitely be a playmaker. But now that he can't get to the basket like he could, and I don't think his body could regenerate and do what it needs to do. I think it's going to be on a steady downwards, you know, not spiral, but it's going to be on a downward, you know, trajectory for sure. And they got to figure out what they're going to do here. And they're, they're sort of like fucked, you know, that they're, they're sort of like, this is the team you're basically going to have unless you're going to deal in bead, which they're not going to do. And they spent all their assets on this team, you know, getting, you know, Tobias Harris, getting, you know, James Harden, they drafted Embiid, So, you know, they drafted Maxi. So that it'll be interesting how they just sort of retool this team going forward. And look, I, I thought that Miami played, you know, played very well. Uh, they were consistent. They guarded. They played. They moved the ball. Jimmy Butler was outstanding. And, and Jimmy Butler is one of those guys. Look, you want to hate him all you want. Great, that's fine. But that fucker plays, and he plays hard, and he plays hard every night, and he brings it every night. I don't think every top ten player in the league brings it every night. This guy brings it every night and he can put up that 28 and eight, you know, any given night and he could, and he could stop you on the other end. And he's a motherfucker to deal with now. And yeah, I don't know if they have enough scoring to win a championship. That's, you know, that's that, where that's I'm at too. Of, yeah. Yeah. That plagued them two years ago. And I think it's going to plague them now. They just don't have another guy, Tyler hero. If Tyler hero wants to step up and be the player that people think he is and he thinks he is, he can't be averaging 14 and a half in a fucking series. He's got to, he's got to up it, especially they don't have that second score. Bam's, mm-hmm. Bam, Bam's never a 25 point a game. He's a role player scorer. He's a yeah. role player scorer. Yeah, I'll give you 18. Matt, you know, Tyler Hero's the only guy on that team other than Butler that could really get him. And he could probably get it at a higher clip shooting the ball. I, I think he's a better shooter than Jimmy. Um, he can't do the other things Jimmy can, but he needs to really. I mean, look, you could have a bad series. Everybody's entitled to one. 
But if he really wants to go forward with this, he's going to have to give them 22, 23, 24 a night. You know, he can't he, he can't be settled for 14. Mm. Yeah, and then you got the Duncan Robinson thing as well, 90 million sitting on the bench. But the one thing about James Harden, just to circle back, was I saw an interesting comment <laughs> saying that the fact that uh, Harden went out like that in game six with a potential game seven in Miami where he could have went to South Beach tells it all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, they said it, it, it affected their economy by at least five hundred grand a night. So yeah, 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 but that tells you everything. If he was going, he had a chance to go back to South Beach, and he still couldn't get it done. That says it all. Do you think? I felt like Embiid looked deflated in Game Six, and some people have put it down to the MVP announcement. Um, congratulations to Nikola Jokic, by the way, all-time trophy acceptance uh, video pro. Did you see that? I didn't see it. No, I, I got to check it out. Wow! Yeah, so he was—he's on his farm in Serbia. Um, I love it. The love whole, it already. oh, the whole Denver Nuggets staff flew out there. Mike Malone, I think a few of the trainers, strength coach, whatever. And he didn't know they were coming. He was just out. So you know he's got a horse farm, right? He's got—he's got stables of horses, and um, he was out on—he was out on a horse and cart. So he's got this little kind of racing cart that he sits on, takes the horses out, and he's coming back to the barn with the horse, and everyone's there. So he's on the back of a fucking—he's <laughs> on the back of a horse cart, uh, and then realizes everyone's there to surprise him. And Serbian music playing in the back. It was just so non-superstar Nikola Jokic. Like just awesome. I loved it. It was just raw, real. It wasn't it wasn't streamers and fucking confetti flying everywhere. There was horse shit in the background. It was it was great. It was awesome. Can we can we talk about that for a minute? Like that whole fucking um post MVP social media bullshit that you have to deal with. Like, first of all. Who gives a fuck who wins MVP? Whoever wins it, wins it. If it was Embiid, if it was Jokic, you know, like people start saying it's racist. Some people oh, really? saying it's Oh, like, really? I didn't see those ones. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that going on, that there, there should be new people that are voting for this, that the media shouldn't be voting for it, you know, that it should be players. Should well, be I agree with that. I think, I think it should be coaches, strictly coaches, because I think – the media, we've seen Bill Simmons' comments about certain players. Like, I, I agree with that, that, that there are favorites with media. Um, players is, is too, you know, there's there's guys that get into rival. Like, you know, Booker's not voting for Luca and vice versa, probably, right? You know, just based on this rivalry now, CP3's not voting for Steph Curry. Like, so there's rivalries with players. As much as people want to say there isn't, there is, and it comes down to the competitiveness. So like, I'm not going to vote for that guy because he's better than me, but I don't want him to be better than me. I think coaches are the best to handle it because. You know, the way they do it in the NBA is actually pretty good. There's votes that go after the game. You go from the coaches and you go three, two, one. Three votes for this guy, two votes for this guy, one vote for this guy. You have to vote. For, you can't vote for your own players. And you put your votes in after every game. And I think you tally them up at the end of the season. That's the fairest metric. All this other stuff, it can be influenced by social media, can be influenced by media talking. Like, you know, ESPN talks about LeBron every minute of the day. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that can influence voting as well. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be MVP. So, I think... Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I just this was one of the harder years to pick, and you can't you can't go wrong either way. But it just felt like you know Joel's definitely a little bitter about it, and maybe some people might say rightfully so. But it looked like it affected his play, and there were rumors. Well, not rumors. This is confirmed. They said a shoot around on the day. He wasn't talking to anyone once he found out. He went in his kind of shell. He was kind of pissed off. It's like, dude, you got a you got a you got a playoff game to get to. You know what I mean? That later that day, like that's not. That that basically then says that that was on your mind and that's all you're worried about. Like, and that 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 doesn't rub well on on teammates of yours, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're only human. I understand it. Look, in a perfect world, he shouldn't really give a fuck. But look, the world we live in, especially today, 
that they're going to get affected by it. It's going to impact him. And yeah, in, in, in a perfect world, it shouldn't. He's, he's one of the best players in the league. He's a final two for an MVP. You win it, you win it, you don't, you don't. Yeah, but you're the leader, um, pro. You you're the leader place. of your fucking club going into a game I six. Agree. And if I you're agree. if you're Look, deflated and your body language is shit at a fucking shoot around, you know, it's it doesn't rub well. He looked defeated. Even the game, man. Like I was watching the game, I was texting a friend of mine watching the game. He's a big Miami fan. And I'm like, he's 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 deflated. That first half was awful, right? And he just didn't look like um even in game five in Miami, he just didn't look like he was moving up and down the court. He was jogging. It just I don't know. Why wouldn't they announce it? Why wouldn't they announce it after the playoffs? Either before the playoffs or after the playoffs. It's gotten later and later every year, hasn't it? It has got. It's, yeah. got, it's gotten later and later every year, has it? Or has this been? Well, I think. I guess the David Robinson Hakeem one was conference finals, wasn't it? But I, th I thought generally they announced it like after the first round. But it's. It seems like it's. That, that's the thing. If these guys are still playing, you should just wait until. It, like either do it in between. Like that week that, you know, that four or five days between end of the season to the playoff first round, like let them get it out of the system that way. I agree with that. You know, because then you can do the celebrations on court. And generally, most MVPs yeah. are at least in the first round, right? Like, uh, uh, we'd have to look yeah, up. Yeah. I don't think there's been one that's not been. And has there been an MVP that never made the playoffs? I doubt it. Stat Muse, I have to let us know that. Yeah, I'd, Stat but, Muse. But I, I highly out. doubt it. I'd, I'd bet the owner on that. But yeah, I agree with you. Just get it done. But the NBA loves those talking points. They love all the attention with it, and I mean, yeah, I just, I just think it somewhat affected him. I don't think it, it, it changed the dynamic of the series. But like, if you're the star player, you can't, you, you know, they're looking at you as no, like, you can't, and it, you can't. and it just you're seems right. like then that that's what you're worried about. You're not worried about the Sixers winning. You're worried about where's my trophy, and it's like, you know, that's not going to rub well. But anyway, congratulations to Jokic. I, I thought. I thought it was a very hard pick out of those two. Um, I thought it was a coin flip. I've been a record saying it. I would have given it to Jokic based on he just set so many record numbers. And, you know, there's things coming out now to, to <clears throat> say, oh, Embiid should have got it because of this metric. And the, the big one for me, and I've said it from the start, is when you look at the on-off numbers for Jokic when he's on the floor with Denver and when he's off, it was the biggest disparity in the league. So when he was off the floor, they were like, they'd lose, you know, they'd be like, I'm making this up, but it was like minus 14. And when, when he was on the floor, they were like plus, plus 10, right? So it's a 24-point disparity with him off the floor um, versus on. And, and that's, a, that's, with all the analytics, that's a good one because it tells you his effect. Um, and then obviously being the first player in NBA history with, with those, those crazy numbers, what was it, uh, 2,000 or 2,000 points, 1,000, 1,000, something along those lines. Um, Refer back to a couple of episodes ago because I probably screwed that up. But yeah, I think you can't. How can you? How can you then say, "Oh no, that was wasn't deserved." It was still deserved. Um, those people arguing, you know, Denver's a small market; it shouldn't be here. Well, I was just like, man, like I didn't see the racist ones, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, and I think it was a coin flip either way, man. Like you can't, you can't, you can't shit on him. He had a historic year, and with a team that Dude, they're both great players. That wasn't great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was great. Yeah. All right, so so you think so? We know Philly are. We'll just finish with this real quick. We know Philly are pretty hamstrung with what they can do, and they can re-sign their own players. But where, you know, where's their future from here, pro? Like, what, what what do you do if you're the GM there? Look, you're going down this far. You might as well just finish it. Stick you it might out. as well just say fuck it. This is my team. He like Daryl Morey. It's like me with like Kobe and stuff like that. Like. 
when you when you're that involved with a player and you believe in that player so much, you're gonna go you're gonna go down with the ship with them. And doesn't no one it doesn't matter what anyone tells this guy. This guy's his Michael Jordan, and he's gonna go down with them. You know, it's it, you know analytically what he did for him. You know, look, if there's no James Harden, there's no Daryl Morey, right? Like you know, he he sort of anchored that offense and that style that he wanted to play analytically with the threes and layups and things. And he embraced it. And look, it made James Harden hundreds of millions of dollars. It made Daryl Morey irrelevant as a GM. And he's going to, he loves the guy. So the only thing they can do is they could try to get off, you know, Tobias Harris. Maybe you, you, maybe you stretch him. I don't know what you do there. Um, no, no one's given you, you know, like, you know, Harden could be a free agent. So I don't know what you're going to do there. Like sign and trade who's giving you much for Harden. So I don't think that's going to work. So you gave up all these assets to get Harden. Uh, you know, you gave up Ben Simmons picks and you gave up, you know, Seth Curry and, and, and Drummond, who's whatever. But I, I think that, look, you gave up all these assets. You got to just, you got to go with it. You got to fucking, you know, you did, you, you came this far with it. You got to, cause they're, they're so strapped financially. They're so strapped what they can do. Their other players really can't give you much value. If you try to trade them, what are you going to get? You know, um, I mean, you could trade and beat if you want to. I bet you that's my question for you. Would you think he asks out? <sighs> I mean, if he's, I'm he's Mr. Philly, but like he's Mr. Philly, and then you got max, super max, you know, implications on the line with that. You know, if he gets traded, he can't go, he can't get it. So, um, I mean, you're probably like the best deal you can get. I know Miami really wants him. You could probably do out of bio and two, you know, out of bio and two first rounders. You know, probably get you get you that. Maybe you can get you Duncan Robinson and not that you would want him, but like Duncan Robinson out of bio and two first. I mean, that's the only. And then I mean, that, my point is to, the money. My point is more around your point of Maury being all in with James at all costs. Yeah. Um, does yeah. does um MB just say you know what? Like I've given this process a chance. I want to go somewhere and, and, and new scenery and maybe join up with another superstar and and you know see how that goes. Does he does does he ask that? Do you think or does he just stick it out? With NBA players these you days, folks, yeah. I think yeah, you never know. You never know. Like, and I think that it's like Russian roulette with these GMs and owners. Like, you don't know what what how your superstar is going to wake up that morning. You know what he's going to think. I want out. I want to stay. Well, you never know it. It just keeps on going up and down. You can't trust any of them. Like you can't trust any of them when you ask them, look, are you happy here? What can we do for you? They'll be like, oh yeah, everything's cool, man. And then like an hour later, Woj is saying that like the guy wants out, demands a trade. Like you don't know. Um, if I had a guess, he would probably stick it out because he knows he's got more value, you know, than James. I, I would think that if you ask 29 other GMs, they would say and beat over James. You ask most fans and beat over James. You ask Morey, probably Harden over James. I mean, Harden over Embiid. So um, it'll be interesting what happens there. I, I say you just you could ch- like look. It's all about spin, and that and this is what you do. You fucking lie to people on a daily basis. So you spin it and say, look, we got him. He was a little fucked. James is a little fucked up. We'll get him right this summer physically. You know, we got him a trade deadline. Now we'll have a training camp. We can get these guys playing together. You know, everything will be on track. Everything's good. And that's how you sell it. And I think that's sort of how he's going to do it. Mm. Yeah, it will be interesting. But I think, yeah, they've, they've probably gone as far as they can. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's that's what's crazy. They went through that whole process. 
Um, but let's not forget they were a, a Kawhi, you know, crazy shot on the buzzer from being in what what many people tip would get them through to the finals. They, they, they'd potentially beat Milwaukee that year. Um, but, you know, that three bounces of the ball really changed their, you know, I guess the emotion and beat showed after that. I think they knew that was their chance squandered, right? Um, so... Yeah, it's a, it's a funny league and only one team can win it. That's that's the beauty and the brutalness of the NBA. But uh, let's move on to Golden State and Memphis. Chippy physical series, as we know, Pro. Um, some injuries out of it, some hard fouls, a lot of talking back and forth. Dylan Brooks basically you know, coming out and saying that this is the new dynasty. Well, pump the brakes there, fella. You're, you're, out, you're out of the playoffs and you haven't been close to a final, so I wouldn't put the dynasty label on just yet. But um, I noticed that he said that and I was scratching my head at that. Um, for Memphis, Jar averages 38.8 and 7 until his injury. Um, when he went out, Memphis went back to that balanced attack we saw in the, in the season. They played very well without Jar at times and they, you know, punch Milwaukee in game five. Um, let's, let's be honest though, Golden State put the cue in the rack in that second half and just let them get out to 40, 50. They didn't really care. And you just knew they were already, that veteran team was, was already regrouping. During the game, they were already regrouping for the next game, thinking about, you know, what we're going to do, this and that. Um, I think Memphis's future is in fantastic hands with Jar, Bain, Jackson Jr. and, and, and Brooks. I think young, uh, complimentary players. Um, I think they're, you know, the, the thing that I would do with, with them is maybe another veteran. I mean, a guy like Iguodala, funnily enough, funnily enough would have been huge for them, um, just the veteran leadership. But I think bringing in a, a veteran guy kind of like that would be really good for him. Golden State's balanced attack, Steph 26 a night, Clay 18, Paul 17, Wiggins 15, and some great defense and key possessions. They're, they're, they're really, really balanced right now, scoring-wise. Um, Draymond was good for him also in game six, finished with a really big, big line. Clay, the game six Clay showed up. Uh, picked, I picked this, actually. I, I thought he'd have a really big game six. He had 30. He was 8 for 14 from three. Was awesome. But did you know Golden State's turnover rating game six, pro? 23%, 23% turnover rate, and they still got it done. It's amazing. When you see that, you know, a lot of them were live ball turnovers or just throwing it out of bounds. Like 23%, basically a, you know, a quarter of your possessions are turned over and they still comfortably, not comfortably, but they, they still won that game by 10 plus. That's kind of, that's demoralizing if you're Memphis because you're like, shit, what else do we have to do? Um, but Golden State expected to get through this. I think Memphis fought hard. They still need a bit of consistency, in my opinion, and we saw that in the first round with the Minnesota series. They're just—they're really hot and cold and up and down, and that's a sign of a, a young team that probably young and dumb, which is which can be a positive, can be a negative. They're, they're young and de- young and dumb, where they just you know the, the, the ball, the hard headedness. We're just going to keep doing this, and they'll get down twenty, up twenty. It doesn't matter. So I think getting a few veterans in there. Maybe one or two more that can actually help them. I think Adams is a good presence for them, but I think they need another complimentary guard that's a veteran <clears throat> that's been there before. Just to steady the ship at times will help them. But uh, that's kind of my take on that series, Pro, um, as to be to be expected. I think we were both 4-2 for, for Golden State, right? Unless you picked Memphis, if I'm, if I'm incorrect. No, I don't think I picked Memphis. I think I picked Golden State to lose in the round before that. I think I picked Memphis this round. Um Look, I think Memphis is very good. You've seen these young teams come and go. Not come and go, but, you know, sort of try to build themselves up. I've seen, you know, Seattle Supersonics when it had um, when it had Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and they were sort of on the verge of being really good. The Denver Nuggets was young. 
they ended up beating Seattle in, in the nineties. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, when they had those three guys, you know, that almost beat Kobe in two thousand and ten. You see these great teams. You just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know, you know, the trajectory of these teams. It changes, you know, week to week, month to month, day to day. You know, so, you know, one day they're all happy. Then in the summer, you hear some report coming and this guy's wants out. You never know. So for now, yeah, they're very, very good. I do worry about John Morant as far as his injury, his body versus his injury stuff. I mean, he gets nicked up from time to time. And I do worry, especially about how explosive he is sort of plays like that Iverson, probably more athletic than Iverson, obviously, right? And he he just has so much D Rose. You know, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of D Rose in him with that. I just worry about that. But look, they got so many good players, like, you know, they got John and they've got all these like really good high level role players. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably an all-star level player. I don't know if he's an all-star, but he's right there. And then you got obviously Brooks and Bain. The thing about it is Tyus Jones is probably gonna cost you probably going to cost you 15, you know, 15, 18 million bucks a year to keep. And, you know, so if you lose guys like that, you know, sometimes you, especially in a good insurance policy for John, I think, I think Jones is a very good backup in the league, probably could start for some teams and, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose that. But I mean, they got most of their guys under rookie deals like Jaron Jackson got his extension kicking in next year at 28, uh, 28 million. You know, you got Jar under under his rookie deal. You've got, um, you know, you got Bain under his rookie deal. So you've got all these guys, a lot of these guys under their rookie deals. So um, it'll be interesting what they do going forward. For Golden State, I mean, it's just another, look, another notch in their belt, man. I mean, they're they're just putting it together when they need to put it together. A lot of people talk shit about the, the you know, being down 50. It is a little weird, though. Like, this team could win a championship, right, and lose by 50, and it's not like they lost by 15 or 18, but by losing by 50. And, and Draymond talking about it, say, look, you know, they got us. You know, like, like what are you going to do? You got to regroup, and, th- and that's just what we do. And I, I get him on that. It's just a little strange with that. What was crazy, Pro, was if you look at the, um, the, the combined stats for the series, Memphis, based on that game, had like most of their players plus minus were in the plus. <laughs> they still lost the series. <laughs> You know, you don't see, I just noted that you don't see it very often. So out of six games, like most of Memphis, most of their players were in the plus, and you're like, you still lost the series because you lost by, you know, what did they lose by 38? But uh, I haven't asked Pro with the Sydney Kings. I know it's NBL, but we, my second season under Will Weaver, we um, we won game one at home against uh, uh, Melbourne, and then went to went to Melbourne. They beat us by like 50. I think it was 40 or 50. Like like destroyed destroyed us, but. We started, we, we grouped up, I think in the third or the fourth quarter, and we're like, let's, don't worry about this, just get through this. I mean, it was a circus in there. You got, you know, people doing backflips and juggling balls and, you know, that whole circus, like just rubbing it in our faces. The guy on the, the MC guy was killing us. And we just said, let's, let's regroup. We've got one more game and it's at home. Um, and we came back and won it. So it is an interesting, interesting thing when you do get punched by that much, how you bounce back and, you know, credit to Golden State. That's, that's championship merit. They're not going to, just because you've been by 61 game, they're going to come back at you, and they did. No doubt. And that's just mental toughness. I mean, you know, some teams could beat the Bulls one game in a series, you know, back back when Michael played, and you got to come back. You know, they'll just come back and make adjustments. Same thing with the Lakers with Kobe. You know, it happens. Like, you, you punch them in the face, and we talk about that almost weekly, you know, with the, in the show about, you know, it's all about, if you want to be a pro, it's all about what, forget about all the good stuff. What happens when you get punched in the face? What are you going to do next day? Is your routine going to change? Is your attitude going to change? 
you know, are you going to, what are you going to do to get ready for it? And most players can't deal with it and they can't. I think for them going forward, it's all about, you know, in this playoffs and going forward, it's all about continually developing Jordan Poole and Kaminga and see where the way well, they Kaminga go with did those DNP last night. Um, yeah. Mike Brown didn't play. Yes. So that was, he's been in the rotation under Steve uh, and, and, and didn't, yeah, didn't get in it. And shout out to Kevon Looney, by the way, um, comes out and has 22 rebounds after he said that he took it personally that they kicked their ass on the boards a the, the few games previous and um, comes out with 22, a Dennis Rodman line of like four and 22 or whatever it was. But, yeah. It's unbelievable he's only 25. It seems like he's been around the league for 15 oh, years. He's yeah. been around for a while. And he's just and, an ultimate role player. Like he's he doesn't say much. He's what do you need me to do, coach? I'll do it. Um plays 31 night and 10 the next. You couldn't tell with him. He just he's an awesome, awesome soul, awesome, awesome person. I really enjoyed playing around him and just a just a perfect role player for that team. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's interesting, Bogues. I mean, they've got financial issues as far as like what they're you know, strapped to what they can do going forward with like Draymond and Clay and Steph's contract. And now you got Poole coming up after next year. You know, like, what are you going to do there? You know, because obviously he's going to fetch 20 plus million a year. Like you're already in, the, in you know, you're already in the luxury tax big time. And it'd be interesting what they do going forward. But look, like with, with those three guys plus Poole and if Kaminga could turn into anything that, you know, it, Plus, you don't know what's going to happen with Wiseman. Hopefully, they could deal Wiseman for something of value and they could just add to it because, as you know, you just got to keep retooling that roster around those three best players and see what you could do. And they still got Wiggins around. It'll be interesting what they do. They got Wiggins one more year at 33.6. But um, could Wiseman get to that? Could, could Wiseman get to that, that Jaron Jackson Jr. type play, you think, for Golden State in the future? Like, as he's. Uh, you know, similar kind of players. Um, Wiseman a bit more inconsistent from three, but do you think that's a ceiling? That's his ceiling, a, a, a JJ type? I mean, the problem is Wiseman's played enough, you know, he's played a, as many regular season games as Jaron Jackson's played in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. So you can't keep the guy healthy. Gotcha, yeah. You know, so like he, he couldn't stay healthy in college. You can't stay healthy in the pros already. To me, I think he's Dwayne Dedman, uh, like maybe a souped-up Dwayne Dedman. And Dwayne Dedman, not right now, but Dwayne Dedman maybe four or five years ago. Um, I think he's a, like he could be a solid starter. I think Jaron Jackson's a borderline all-star. So I think that's where they where I differ between those two guys. I think he could be like a face-up shooter, a roller. I don't see him as this fluid, big-time athlete or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I mean – People talk to me about him being like a Lamarcus Aldridge. I don't see that, you know. But again, I haven't seen Wiseman a lot. Yeah, I'm because he enough. hasn't really played, you know. So it, it'll be interesting to me with guys like that, Bogues. Again, we don't live with them, so we don't know. You know, maybe people could tell you that are, that's around there. So I don't know. I could only tell you what I know by just watching. I don't have any intel on the guy. But for me, if I'm that team, I'm gonna like suit that guy up play him like play him in a stretch, let him put up fucking numbers and then trade him for the best assets that I can get picks another player that could help us something because people, you know, I think the less he plays is actually better for him because everybody, I, I would say 25 teams in the league season, he's got value. And I think that you like, you sort of load that up and then you trade him out. Unless you really think, you know, forget about what you're telling the press 
in, like behind closed doors, if they really think he's got value and they're not lying through their teeth about to themselves about the guy, then you keep him. And, and maybe he's your starting center going forward. I just don't see it. I see him as a, a solid starter. I see him probably an upgrade from Looney if you could if you could keep him healthy. But yeah, the challenge you know, is though, he's a young player, so he's going to want to try and do more than what they need him to do. Sure. You sure. know, because he's trying to you know get himself better and play for a contract eventually. So whereas Looney Looney's content with his role. So that's that's the conundrum teams get in with younger guys. It's like you got Steph, Clay, Jordan, Draymond. We need you to do this. You stay in the dunker. Set a shitload of screens of possession, be real good for us defensively and grab as many rebounds as you can. You're not going to really touch it much. You're not going to really be overly involved in our offense. You know, and if you're a young guy and you're Wiseman and you've got guys in your ear in your camp, your agent, your friends, like you can do more than this man, you can get in your bag. That's usually the problem. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's that's gonna be his his problem and the Warriors problem of like how do we how do we develop this guy enough to either move him or keep him long term whilst getting him to buy into playing a role and that's that's why they make the big bucks. You got to you got to figure out those decisions without overly hindering his development, but without overly hindering your chance to win more championships. It's fucking it's it's tough. Yeah, so, it's not easy. Not easy. Anyway, so I think yeah, I think we both agree. Things are looking bright for Memphis. They do need some probably some more veteran leadership in there, a bit more kind of calm and consistency at times. But they they definitely have a chance to continue to progress, and we'll, we'll watch that space. Game seven Fiesta, two game sevens tomorrow. Um, shitty times for me, but I'll, I'll try to get to that second one. But um, we will start with uh, Phoenix and Dallas. It's been a great series to date. Uh, the Booker versus Luca rivalry has continued to grow. They're getting chippy with each other and talking shit, and that's what you want to see. It's what you want. You love to see that, whether they're friends or not off the court. I, I doubt they are, but even if they were. That's what you pay your good hard-earned money for. You want to see a boxing-type bout on, on a football field or a basketball field. You don't want friends, you know, not even friends, but people, you know, hugging and kissing before the game and laughing and smiling. You want to see this, and and, and it's worth the price of admission. Um, the question is, can you go past Phoenix at home in, in a game seven? I mean, it's, what is it? It's, it's over 80% f- um, towards a home team in NBA history in, in playoff series. I think in the finals, it's even greater. Um, CP's been average, I think, at least Oof, post the po- yeah post the first two games. He had he had an okay first two games and didn't need to do a lot. But shoot, he's been and what what for him the thing that tells you he's dismal is the turnover rate. He just doesn't turn the ball over generally, and he's he's fourteen six and five a night in this series um, with just under four turnovers, but just struggling. They've moved away from him being the primary ball handler at times. Um, I think Alvarado wore him down. <laughs> I really do. I think <laughs> I think he's just he's still looking for that kid uh, when he's playing against uh, Dallas. But Booker's carried the load for him. Booker and Aiden have been solid for him. Uh, Booker's twenty six tonight. Aiden, uh, Aiden with eighteen. So yeah, CP 3s got to have one of those game sevens um, for them to. I think they'll at home. I'm still I'm still going with Phoenix. I picked this four three uh, to Phoenix. I just don't think that. You know the odds are in in Dallas's favor, but if anyone can do it, it is Dallas. I mean, Luca is is the Dallas Mavericks. He's he's thirty two thirty two point three a night, nine point eight and seven point five, um, and nine point eight assists. That is, and but he's he's only twenty nine percent from three pro. Now he does shoot a lot of high, you know, degree of difficulty, James Harden esque step back type threes, but twenty nine percent. He's got to improve that for them to. He can't shoot that in the game seven, um, but he's been huge for him. Brunson bounced back. He had a shocking first couple of games in this series, um, but 
he's, he's, he's really bounced back. Like you said, he was punched in the face and they threw big defenders on him and um, it, it definitely wasn't the Utah Jazz defensively. He had to adjust to that and, and credit to him he has. He's back at 17.8 at night. Did Dallas have enough outside of Luka Pro? That's the question I have. Um, Dinwiddie's been horrible. Uh, he's eight points a night at 35% for this series. He's probably the guy I look at. That I say, you, you, need to have, you need to have a 15 and five night uh, for us. Um, I think Kleber's the other X factor for Dallas when he shoots a ball while he's had a hell of a playoff to date. They're good, but Dinwiddie's the one I look at. They brought him in for, you know, Pozingis and he was in that trade. They, they, I think they expected more out of him, but um, what do you got? Are you, you going to go against uh, the game seven percentages or are you staying with Phoenix? No, no, I had Dallas actually in the series. I, I got, you had them 4-2 though, right? To, you had them 4-2. Yeah, I, I think they're going to win the final. I think they're going to get to the finals and, and could win it. I think I'm looking at Phoenix, folks, and they're all fucked up. Like, I, I look, I'm a big fan of Phoenix. Don't get me wrong. But it just seems like Dallas is coming at them. It's sort of like uh, Boston and Milwaukee that we'll talk about next, obviously, where like, Milwaukee will win these games or, or like, or have leads and you're like, uh-uh, fuck this, this ain't happening. And, like, they just ram it down their fucking throat. And Dallas just keeps doing that. And they just keep coming and coming and coming and fucking attacking, you know, Phoenix. And Phoenix, look, they'll, they'll have some runs where Booker goes off and, you know, like, I, I don't understand why they, you just don't roll eight and, and just fucking keep getting it. Oh, he's been really good. Uh, yeah, giving him on the rolls and fucking lobbing it. Like, they don't have anybody to stop him, but they keep going away from it. And I'll tell you what, Bridges has got to step up more. Like, yeah, Chris Paul is having a shitty series for, you know, for no problem. Like, Jay Crowder stepping up a little bit more out of his role, which is great. He's almost shooting 50 from three. But, like, Bridges, come on, man. Like, you got to give more offense than that. Cam Johnson, like, too. 10 and five. Yeah, those guys got to give more. And But Dallas just keeps coming at you. They guard you. They're fucking, you know, they're, they're, they're attacking the rim. Luca, like, I don't give a, like, I don't care about these, you know, you're trying to like, you know, say Luca plays like this guy, like that guy. I don't know any of that. Like, whatever. He plays like Luca, but he's got a Larry Bird type, like winning. He'll do anything that it needs to do to fucking win. Like finish, pass, fucking shoot, get to the basket, whatever the fuck. That guy just, he, and he, he got better defensively. Everything. When they were going that, at him, they were going at him. Remember, defensively, we spoke about it last last week. Yeah. Um, he he hasn't got to an elite level, but I think he took that obviously took that personally. It's been noted. Yeah. You probably watched some film. He's been more solid defensively for him. He definitely has. Yeah. It's, it's been noticeable, like noticeable that he's like, you know what? I know I'm averaging 30, 35 points a, a, a night and I'm carrying us offensively, but I, but for us to win, I need to be average to a little bit above average defensively, especially guarding Booker or, or CP at times. And, and credit to him, he has. Yeah, and Bird's, uh, like Larry Bird was one of the worst defenders in NBA history, but the fucking guy was so smart. He just knew where to be. And I think that's sort of what Luca has, like, he just knows, like he's a, like he's one of the smartest players I've ever seen, and he just knows where to be. Now, look, he's got so much effort on the offensive end that obviously he can't do it on both ends, you know, possession after possession. But they were attacking him. I don't give a fuck if they attack him all night. Like offensively, they just got it rolling. Like, yeah, like Dimwitty's not stepping up, and Brunson's only shooting like nineteen percent from three. But like, they just keep attacking him, attacking him, attacking him. And Phoenix really isn't stepping up offensively. You know, like Booker gives you a little bit. Obviously, he gives you a lot. And then Aiden gives you, but like Chris Paul's been a very average. He's not getting to his spots. 
And then like Johnson's been shitty. Bridges has been shitty. Like, I just don't think they have enough votes. I don't, I don't think they have enough. They keep fouling, you know, it just, I just see Dallas winning this on the road. And again, yes, you're right. 80 plus percent uh, of the home team game sevens, no doubt about it. But something about fucking Dallas is just like, they just keep coming at them and there's nothing they can do about it. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win pretty handily. I think it'll be an 11 point win or more. And it just like the Luca deal. And that's what it is. He'll just, He'll find a way to do it. Is Scott Foster roughing this game? I don't give a fuck if I don't care if Jeff Foster. No, no, no. It's it's, it's bit, yeah. No, it's is it the Chris Paul thing? Maybe you know something I don't. Yeah, I got to find out if Scott. No, if I have old, no idea. If old Scotty boy is refereeing this one because we can make Chris Paul go zero for fifteen with Scott Foster. <laughs> Without question, <laughs> is he Bogues? Have you found out? I don't know. I haven't. I haven't checked the. I haven't checked the uh, the rosters, but I, he was out Bogues, sick. He was out sick was... a couple of games ago, so maybe he's due for. Due for a rotation in one of these game sevens. They usually yeah, give him thought. usually give him the game six, so it can go seven. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. And plus I thought I would have thought that a Twitter would have exploded if yeah. he was. I hope he's you know what I'm saying? I hope it's I hope something happens. It'd be fun to see. But um yeah, I mean I I'm not completely sold on Phoenix. I agree with you, your take. I don't think they've played that well. A lot of their role playing scoring guys have disappeared, but Percentages say that the home team holds on, so I'm sticking with yep. I'm sticking with four three. But I can see why you would make a flip flop because I'm not I'm not yeah. I mean I think I think Phoenix even if they do get through, I think Golden State's getting in the next round anyway. So um, whereas I picked them at the start of the playoffs, so I've, I've kind of you know we like to we like to jump ship when it's when it's applicable. But we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that 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 thing all goes. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. Love to see game sevens. All right, Boston Milwaukee. Man, I jumped ship last week because I, I just doubted Giannis and I just couldn't continue to doubt him. I jumped ship and said um, Milwaukee 4-3 in 7, so I predicted that they'd, they'd win game 7 on the road. Um, game 6 was a hell of a game. It was a great game of basketball to watch. Um, it was it was just back and forth and and, and Milwaukee made they – were, they were throwing jabs. Um, they were – that would, Giannis, I mean, 46 points, some huge late th- – he hit it. Sorry, that was Tatum with 46 points. Giannis had 44, 20, and 6. Giannis made some big buckets, hit a key three late, but it seemed like every run they made, Tatum, I mean, take a bow. Um, hasn't shot the ball that well from three in the playoffs, but, geez, he hit some huge threes. Every time they got it to 11 down to eight or down to five, bang, bang, threes, and just 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 kept, throw, kept jabbing back at him and – that 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 was huge. Tatum, you know, played very very well. He had forty six points um, in that game, so I think he was he got him over the line single handedly in that fourth quarter. He's twenty eight and twenty eight points, six and five for the series, um, six assists, five rebounds. Um, Giannis, like I said, you know, he's he's, he's single handedly carrying him. It shows how much they miss Middleton. They need that third scorer. Uh, Drew Holiday's twenty-one a night on thirty-five percent. He's the key. He's got to he's got to lift that. If he can get a you know a forty-five to fifty percent night with the thirty ball, they've got a chance in Game Seven. Uh, he needs a good clip. For, I think he's the X factor. They've just said Middleton is out, I believe, for Game Seven. Um, they haven't formally announced it, but there's a rumor mill. You know, they, they said he might be back in Game Six, but I think that's just games from the Milwaukee Bucks fucking with um, Boston, so they have to. You know, put him back in the scout and think about someone that's not playing, but he seems to be out. They, they, they just don't have a consistent third option, Milwaukee, right now. Um, Grayson Allen is, is is getting to a point of being unplayable in this series. He's been awful for him. Um, he's plus minus for the series. He's bad. He's not hitting the three ball, and they're picking on him defense. They're picking on him. They're trying to find him on the on the offensive end and get him involved in a lot of plays. Um, 
Al Horford resurgence pro. Uh, let's not forget he was signed that big deal in Philly. Ended up in OKC as as just a a salary that they were using, and they told him to go home. And we don't want not that he was a bad teammate. They just said you can just stay home. You don't have to travel with us. You're not going to play with us. Come back to Boston, which was a great move by Boston. It was criticized. They were like, why are we bringing this guy back? He's old, he's washed up, he's making a shitload of money. Huge for him this series. Um, even, even last game, didn't have big numbers offensively, but had five or six block shots. Knows how to play. Great veteran, especially with Flint Williams out. So, man, I, I can't pick this one. Um, I'm going to stick with what I jump ship on. So I'll stick with Milwaukee and go against the odds like you did in the previous series. But I think this is such a coin flip. It could go either way, but I'm... Yeah, I'm going to stick with Milwaukee's because what I said, but you know, my, my head saying Boston's Boston's found the formula to win the series. But um, it, this one's been a great series. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. What do you, what do you got? I got Boston. I got Boston, and it's not anything to do with the with the numbers. It's just that again, it's like that whole Dallas series, and it's worse. It's worse than the Dallas series. I just think that there's without Middleton, they don't have that. They don't have enough shooting. They don't have enough scoring. They don't. You know, like Giannis is literally like, you know, he he's like Bugs Bunny in that fucking baseball cartoon where he's playing every fucking position. Like, it, he's doing everything, and he's doing everything that he can, and it's just Boston just looks at it and just, like, you know, shakes it off and just does whatever. Like, yeah, Tatum and Brown's been great, don't get me wrong, but the guys who are winning this series for him are Horford and Smart. Like, toughness, smart. I, I'm getting fucking destroyed in my group chat folks i got a bunch of celtics fans and I, I at the beginning of the year because i don't give a fuck who wins I, i'm not a fan of any team i just i just want to watch the game and like i'm like al horford's fucking washed up he's like 90 blah 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 he'll be done by he's like david justice was for fucking the local and a's just washed up and like they were taking it and now they've been destroying me daily probably by the hour fucking killing me over this shit and he's right like Horford's been fucking amazing 14 and 10 like defensively you know making threes offensively smart makes threes when you need to you know obviously he's playing on the defensive end Milwaukee just doesn't have enough like you know Holiday scoring the quietest 21 that I've ever seen in my life I would never have thought like looking at stats now that he's averaging 21 they just don't have like they don't have that other person like Portis, Connaughton, like Brooke Lopez. Want, like all three of those guys got to score 15, you know, to, for that to, for them to even have a fucking chance. And they just don't have enough. They're, they're without Middleton. Their bench has been eh, all year. They've been just average on their bench and they've been inconsistent. I don't think they have enough. I think that Boston just looks at them and like, you know, you, you watch it over history where like. You know when the Bulls beat the uh, Bulls beat the Lakers when with Magic, you know their last Finals appearance, and they like they like put up a futile game one win, and then like Chicago just laughed at them and fucking railroaded them. I said I saw the same thing with a younger Detroit team when they beat Kareem and the Lakers. Like these guys are good, they're champions, but they just don't have enough. Without Middleton, they just don't have enough. They got to play in Boston in that fucking environment. Yeah, I, I don't think they have a fucking chance. I think they're gonna get blown out of the gym. I would say Ooh, blow it out. Win. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I don't think they got a fucking chance, which means they're gonna win by 50, if I'm saying that. But I, I think that the Celtics are gonna win by 20. I, I don't think it's gonna be close. Mm, yeah, maybe, maybe. But I think you know, so, so, some of the pressure falls on Boston, though. 
True. Milwaukee True. do have that championship merit. I, I, I agree that I know that third string scorer, which greatly affects them. I think if Middleton's in this series, I'm you know I'm more comfortable with oh, yeah. with Milwaukee getting through. But the pressure does fall now. You know Tatum's going to then back up what he did last game, and Boston have been a little up and down in this series as of Milwaukee. So. I think um, I don't think I don't think Milwaukee folds to a blowout. I think they I think Boston's going to have to win this. I, I think it's going to be under ten. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. This pod's going to drop right when that game's going on, or, or just just after. So hindsight will be a beautiful thing. But um, yeah, I, I think it's been a great series. Um, I've enjoyed it. I think this is what basketball's all about. It hasn't been. Hasn't been too much flopping and shenanigans and all that. It's been mono mono. I mean, there has been some charge taking on Giannis, and in, in fairness, he he does he does he does overrun guys a lot and is susceptible to charges. So I know people are complaining about that, but hey, he's a beast down there. So people have been going after that. But uh, looking forward to, to to watching the replay of this one, pro. Um, when I wake up in the morning, and we'll see how we go. News: um, No one in the NBA believes Harden will receive. The full extension from the 76ers from Brian Windhorst. What are your thoughts? Oof, that is interesting. Um, so I think he can do a shorter deal, right? I think he can do a shorter deal if he wants to, a la the LeBron or whatever. But the full one, which is a shitload of money, I don't have in front of me, but it's a couple hundred million, isn't it? Um, and he'll be, you know, closer to his 40s by the end of that deal. Um, I don't do it if I'm the GM. I don't do it. No way in hell. Um, but like you said, there is that relationship between himself and, and Morey. So do you think they'll do it? Uh, no, but I think they're going to load, he'll load them up for less years, in my opinion, and just give them flexibility or what have you. I think, in my opinion, there's not enough teams that have cap room enough to do a deal for him, that uh, the money that he wants. And I don't think there's that need for him anymore. You know, again, like guys like, yeah, I put him in like Allen Iverson sort of, you know, sort of his category. When AI was killing it, the, there wasn't a dollar, a dollar amount that was enough for him. Once he lost a step, a half a step, that's when everybody started running for the fucking hills. And I think that I don't think that there's that big demand like he's a top five, top 10, top, you know, top player like that anymore after this year. And I don't think that there's going to be again, a team with cap room and the need for him or want for him like that. He's got Daryl Morey that could probably give him $50 million a year for like two years or whatever, or, or option it, whatever, player option it. But I don't think he gets the full. And I could look, I, I just don't think there's the demand, the age, the miles, how he looks. You know, I just don't see that. But Daryl Morey loves him. So if – you know, if there's a team that do it, it's them. I don't think they do it. I just think they give him a shorter deal with with big money because you know they got his. I, I believe they have his bird rights, so they can give him whatever they want. I, that's what I say. I say they front load it. They give him shorter years, but they give him a lot of money. Daryl Morey loves this guy. This the love affair. You know, is just it's just too much. <laughs> it's not too much, but it's just very high. And I think that he's going to do anything he can to sign him. I don't think that. I think the media and social media and stuff are killing them right now. I don't think the ownership will allow that to happen with a full-fledged max deal, you know, full years. But I think they'll give them a lot of money up front for a couple of years. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. I, I wouldn't do the long-term one, but if they can do a tweak on it, it's it's plausible because, like you said, they're stuck with what they got. They can't really can't really do a whole lot more 
um, with that roster. So um, Phil Jackson reportedly would like LeBron traded. Um, my, my take, that was from Bill Plasky. Plasky. Uh, I say no chance with Junior at the helm. Um, she loves her superstars, loves her names. Uh, that's that's not, just not going to happen, I don't think, in my opinion. But what do you think? Well, what are you going to get for LeBron right now? That's the thing. Not that you won't get anything. You'll get you'll get uh, you'll get something. You'll get a lot, but not a lot. You know what I'm saying? Well, it goes um, down. If you're a small market, that's probably not going. And you know, you're not going championship in the next four or five years. Not that he'd go right. to not that he'd go to Detroit or someone like that. But do you just bring him in for ticket sales and arena sales? And of course they would. Of course they would. But like, if you're the Lakers, what are they giving you? So like, you know, what is his value with his age? And what? another team, like how much are you going to give? So like if you're, say, Oklahoma City, which would never do it, but if say it's Oklahoma City, are you going to give him Josh Giddy for him? Are you going to give him, because that's what it would cost you. Um, maybe you can get away with uh, the other kid, Alexander, maybe. Like you just keep going down with all these teams. Uh, are you going to give him Bradley Bale if you're Washington? Because mm. um, that's what it would cost you. So like, you know, New York doesn't have anybody even close to that. So you'd have to take literally their whole roster for them. Um, but it's not enough. I just don't think there's enough. I, I I don't think they would ever do it because of the name. And that's the only thing basically attracting, you know, ticket sales these, these days. Yeah, Anthony Davis, don't get me wrong. But the the Laker name and LeBron James is the only thing that's doing it. And look, they're, they're going to be another playing team, maybe a little bit better than that. And they're not going anywhere, but that's their ticket. You know, that's their ticket. It's sort of like when Kobe at the end of his career, look, he couldn't win games for you like that. The team just wasn't good enough, but they still gave him 24 million a year anyway. And they wouldn't trade him because A, what would you get back? And B, he's Kobe Bryant. Now, he's not even close to what Kobe was in Laker history, obviously, but he's still the name and he still puts up numbers and he still goes at it every night. I just say they fucking like play this out and they figure out what they're going to do after next year. Are they going to draft this kid? Are they not going to draft this kid? Are they just going to let him go? But yeah, you don't trade him. Phil's had a thing for LeBron, you know, past decade or so. Remember he had that posse line with him a few years back and all that stuff. Like, you know, Phil's, you know, Phil, you know, Phil just likes to bust balls anyway, because he's irrelevant now. And, you know, he just likes to throw, you know, throw fucking lines here and there. But what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, it's just an interesting one that, that got broken. I, I don't think it happens. I don't think Junior lets it happen. But um, yeah, no, I don't think a team sells a farm for for him. Uh, and you got to bring his son in too. Don't forget. So that that could change things as well as as we've reported before that he wants to play with his son and something along the lines of whoever brings me in, it's a package deal with my son. So uh, you better hope his son can play basketball at an NBA level. But anyway, we'll, we'll watch that space. Uh, Zach Kleiman, Executive of the Year. I think we both picked this one. NBA got that one. Very right, well constructed roster. My question for you is: Can they can they chip in the next five years? Within the next five years, pro can the Memphis Grizzlies can they get to a finals in the next five years? I think that was a uh, fact or fake news question a few a few weeks back. Mm. But um, yeah. I, I think look, I think they're young enough. Um, they've got enough guys under contract. They've got an owner that will pay, and I think that they can if they wait it out. Look, you don't know what Golden State's going to do in the next couple of years, where they're going to go. Are they going to decline? Is somebody, God forbid, going to get hurt? Um, Phoenix, you know, with Chris Paul declining, you don't know where they're going to be. Um, then you got Dallas. You don't know if they're going to acquire a player or they're not. So they're right there. They're top three 
top two, top three, top four team going forward in the West. I think that they definitely can make an NBA final if they waited out. If Ja could stay healthy, they could keep, you know, they could sign Bain long-term. They could sign these other guys long-term. Uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. gets better. I think they could definitely make a final. I, can they win a final? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, again, these guys are getting old. You don't know what's going to happen with Giannis and, you know, Milwaukee because, again, they're going to have to retool that roster. You don't know what's going to happen there. Boston, they got their top two guys signed long-term, and they're going to they're gonna stay going forward. They're young enough. So I think they make a final. Are they a championship team? I don't know. I can't say well, yes get, or no. Don't forget in the West, they got to get through Phoenix. They got to get through Dallas. They got to get through Golden State to even yeah. get, to, get to that level, right? So No doubt. I would say. Yes. Within say, five years, though? Within five years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a coin flip. I think – I think they're young and talented. I just I think Dallas is going to be there for a long, long time now. Are they going to be in the top four of the West for 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 a while? So you, you have to get through them. My question will be Phoenix without CP3 down the line. Just if they can continue this form, um, who knows? I mean, people over they overvalue CP3's leadership in that locker room. I don't know. Uh, Golden State is still going to have another three or four successful years, I believe. Um, we'll start to see a bit of a drop off in in Steph and Clay, but. They're still early 30s for the most part. Uh, Draymond is, is a little bit older. So I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one. It's a good one to ponder and, and debate. I wonder what, what the fans think, whether the, whether the Grizzlies will be, you know, in that in that position or do they still need to tweak the roster a little bit and maybe just get more games under their belt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, stay healthy. Yeah, stay healthy. That's a big one, John Morant. You know, the yeah. D-Rose comparisons are, are fair. All right, Dan, Mike D'Antoni rumoured as the front runner for the Charlotte Hornets. Um mm-hmm. They have, they do have a D'Antoni type roster. I think they do. They, they, uh, mm-hmm. the run and gun, loosey goosey type roster, obviously led by their point guard in Lamelo. I think um, he would, you get him some wins. Um, I mean, I'm just not sold on the D'Antoni all in style. It's just never, it's never, you know, equated to a championship pro. And I think it's a beautiful style to watch. As it, like, if you're going to game fifty, game, game, game thirty two, whatever in the regular season, great. It's a great style of basketball to watch. Uh, it wins a lot in the regular season. It just does not win as much in the playoffs, pro. So, um, do you like this move? Do you think it's good? Do you think it's bad? Do you think they have a chance to, you know, better themselves with this style of play? I think that uh, D'Antoni's style with ball is good because I think the last coach had issues with ball, and you could see it on the bench. See, I, I think D'Antoni's the type that just doesn't give a fuck. He 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 just he's going to coach his style. You know, the first and the 15th is going to be fucking glorious. And he doesn't really get too amped up about guys. Look, he's had Hodden, no problem. He's had Westbrook, no problem. Like, these guys are no problem to him just because he just wants to coach his style. What I do think, and I have, I don't have any intel for this. I do think that he's just waiting out Philly, in my opinion. I think that they're going to want him to be their coach. I think Doc Rivers, like I've said probably before the regular season ended, that he's going to be the next coach in the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to have to figure out, do do they want an actual coach like Doc to want to coach LeBron and those guys, or are they going to bring in Mark Jackson who will just basically just want a job? So I think that D'Antoni would be good for Charlotte because, look, they, they need a style, a system. I think that that would fit. And I think they need a coach that's going to have to deal with ball. And I, I've heard he's very high maintenance. 
So if D'Antoni doesn't give a fuck, that's fine. Now, D'Antoni, not a lot of people want to hire D'Antoni because of age and things like that. So if he's in a finalist for this and he doesn't get anything, if he doesn't get anything with the Philly deal, that this might be his last job that he gets in the next, you know, in the next few years. So yeah, like that, that's weird to me. I, I think it's a good hire for Charlotte, you know, because again, it's it's a it's a good coach that knows what he's doing. That style will be good. They won't guard anybody. They don't guard anybody anyway, so it's fine. But like I think he's seriously waiting out the whole Philly situation to see if Doc's gonna go and what's gonna happen there. Mm, yeah, the Doc thing as well. We've got to mention that. I mean, his comments, um, a lot of people have criticized him for hanging on to that. Was it 08 Boston championship? And uh, that's got him jobs down the line. And he has had some talented rosters, man. Philly, Clippers. And just can't get it done. They choke in, in the big moment. Um, there's, you know, Philly have gone on record saying he's coming back next year. We know there's rumors linked to LA. So that will be interesting to see how that all works out. I mean, um, it just didn't it didn't look good. I mean, if Doc's begging his guys to play hard in a game five and a game six of the playoffs, I think something was amiss earlier. So, yeah, I think D'Antoni for Charlotte is good um, now. Like I said, it's not. I don't think it's a long-term solution to try and get to a championship. But let's be honest, Charlotte's goals in the next two, three, four, five years aren't a championship. They they need to reestablish themselves in the East, become a top eight team consistently. Um, and I think D'Antoni is the right piece to do that. And then I think maybe maybe he gets them to a a semi-finals or maybe perhaps a conference finals and then I think beyond that you probably make the move um, if, if you have to because I, I don't think his system's a championship system I think because he's he's so all in on on, on, on offense right he, he really doesn't really care what you do defensively but I, I like the move right now it'll give him some legitimacy they'll, they'll be an enjoyable style to watch down there in Charlotte so I like that one Kyrie um, does he go back to Brooklyn I mean some pretty pointed comments from Amari was one um, and Amari, funnily enough, said exactly what I said leading to the playoffs and, and what I said all season um, as to why I didn't pick them in the playoffs, even in the first round, was because they had no consistency playing together. And Amari came out and said that on record and kind of threw a bit of shade at, at Kyrie along the way, but it was the truth. I mean, he couldn't play in New York. He couldn't play in, in, in Brooklyn or, or, or at the Knicks. Um, in and out of the lineup, only playing road games, you know. Then you factor that in with the trade they made, and then KD was injured, and, and lineup change, lineup, lineup change, lineup change. It cost him. So I, I agree with uh, Amari. There It was interesting that he he led with those left the, with those uh, pointed comments. Um, Sean Marks's comments were more kind of head scratching, not head scratching, alarming. It basically came out and said, "We're looking for guys that want to come in here and be a part of something bigger than themselves." play selfless, play team basketball, and be available. And that goes not only for Kyrie, but everyone else. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty pointed towards one guy. <laughs> no matter how you spin it, uh, especially the first part, something bigger than themselves, play selfless and, and be available. So I think some frustrations there is, is he, you think Kyrie will be back with Brooklyn? Again, what else do they, they do? They sold the farm mm. to get this guy. They sold the farm to get him. They sold the farm to get Harden, they, they, you know, and it's just a weird deal to me. They got rid of Harden quickly and now they got this guy. Look, you don't make a move like this to get a guy in if, unless you did your homework. You've got scouts you're supposedly paying to supposedly do their job and, and, and intel guys. You knew what you were getting for this guy. You knew you were getting this guy that was unbelievably talented, but unbelievably hard to deal with. And 
what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do now? You're just going to give him away because that's what's going to happen. You're going to give him this guy away and you're going to be like, yeah, it's so much better for our locker room. But you've got all these assets that were into this guy. You can't really just replace him. Um, you know, the devil that you know is, you know, sometimes better than just getting it from somewhere else. At least you know what you, you're going with with this guy. Look, the whole mask mandate, I mean, not the mask mandate, the whole vax thing. Look, like people were celebrating him. A lot of the league was celebrating the guy that, you know, he didn't get it. He didn't, you know, he, he stuck stuck to his guns or whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever he does with that, he does with that. That's that's on him. But like now you complain about it. So you love the fact that, you know, people first love that he's got this, oh, like, you know, he doesn't care what people think of him. Now everybody's killing him for it. It's it's a little weird to me. Um, but it is inconsistent. Yeah, but it's not the vax thing that bothers me. It's sort of like what he says and how he says it and sort of the high maintenance of it. Look, NBA superstars, 95% of them are going to be high maintenance as fuck. But like some of the stuff that he says, and we'll go over the Nike thing in a minute, like he just trashes anybody. Like he's so up and down with his stuff and so moody and so sensitive to stuff. It's interesting. But I don't know, man. I mean, they can't just replace his 20-plus points and nine-plus assists. Like, mm. wh- where are you going to just replace that from? And, again, you sold your whole farm. Jared Allen, Levert, Picks, all these guys to bring in Harden, to bring in this. You got fucking $30 million a year in salary just sitting there with a bad back. Like, what are you doing? Like, now you just got basically, if you do get rid of this guy, you're literally just going to have Durant and a couple other role players with you. Like, what are you doing now? So it'll be interesting. I would have never brought the guy in in the first place, but if you brought him in, you had to know that this was going to be a fucking That's a trade-off, right? But that's that's the elite superstar, all-star trade-off. You know, like yeah. you said, they got scouts. They should have known what he was like. Everyone knew, you know, he's got issues. Like, like most superstars, yeah. not most, but like a lot of superstars. And... I think that's a trade-off. You, you deal with bullshit if your player is elite, and he's an elite basketball player when he's on the floor. So, um, it'd be interesting to see which direction they go with all that. Just those point, those comments were pretty pointed by Sean Marks. But like you said, what else do you do? You move him, and then then you've only got KD, and you put around KD and Ben. That's not enough. Not in the East anyway. Um, definitely not enough. I mean, you see what what Boston did to him. That and Boston were well playing great basketball, but. You know, people thought that would. I thought it'd go, at least go six or seven games. Like the way they just whitewashed them was um, off the floor. Was um, yeah, it was, it was disappointing. I thought they should have more fight than that, and we'll see. And, and reportedly losing his Nike deal as well, which is interesting in itself. Um, he's one of their one of their highest selling shoes, I believe. So someone will come in and sweep him up, especially you know with these Chinese companies throwing money. But you know, losing your Nike deals. Folks, he did say the shoes were trash. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know, I know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but they on, sell. I mean, you know, let, let, like let's not let's not kid ourselves. Nike don't really give a shit about too much of the moral high ground on on whatever. Um, they look at they look at profits. I mean, you know what I mean. We know we all know how and where their shoes are made when they're fighting for different social justice causes. But usually they put that aside. But they they must be really off the train of Kyrie if they if they're willing to say you know what you sell us a lot we we sell a lot of shoes with your you know through Kyrie Irving's branding with the Nike logo, but we don't want to deal with it anymore. That's that's telling within itself, right? You know, so. Um, yeah, you, you just can't say it's fucking trash. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can say it's trash, just say, not fucking trash. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Like, it's fucking weird, though, man. I mean, just it, they're paying you millions of fucking dollars, and you're just gonna say the product's trash or whatever. Even if you think that, like, come on, man. Like, what do you expect? Be smart about like, it. Yeah. Give you a raise, like, give you an extension from it. Yeah. You, you yeah. Get, he would have some crisis meetings. He would have some crisis meetings about that. I want to finish with this. He, um, NBA reviews pro too many. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I guess it's a, it's a boy who cried wolf. Be careful what you wish for. Um, I think, funnily enough, I think the NBL's got it right. Um, you get your coaches challenge. You keep it if you're right. Um, you lose it if you're wrong, which I think is great. I think the NBA should implement that. But I think, you know, there was so much outrage back in the day about missed calls here and there, late, especially late in games in the NBA and refs are cheating. The NBA said, okay, we're going we're gonna to review everything the last two minutes. We're going to review every borderline flagrant. We're, I think it's too much now. Um, I think it, it is be careful what you wish for and it's it's just overdone. It's just it just kills when you're watching the game and they especially the flagrant ones, man. It's just like like come on. Like and then they're spending two or three minutes and going back and forth. It kills the flow of the game. It kills the you know, the the, the, the beautiful viewing uh, generally of, of watching live professional sport and I'm not a fan of it. I think reviews are needed at times. I think I like I like the coaches challenge. I think for for key out of bounds plays and all that kind of stuff. But reviewing every flagrant, reviewing viewing this, reviewing that. I mean, I'm I'm cool, especially the flagrants. I'm cool with like the post game review if they, you know, go to it after a game and they're like, look, we we saw something on the film after you know after the game and it was dirty and we're going to find you on top of that. No problem. But the stop start in in, in the middle of games is killing me, bro. Yeah, it's fucking pathetic to be honest with you. It's pretty rough. I mean, not pathetic, but it's it's just it takes the whole it just takes a lot of the oxygen out of the room with it, you know. And I like like you said the coaching challenge stuff and if he's right, they should keep the challenge and lose it if you don't, you know, if it's not right, but dude, they challenge every play like it's weird like as a player, I haven't really asked enough players like how are they affected by that? with like the momentum, does it shift like that you're on and off and on and off and on and off like that? Like, with well, imagine if D- D'Antoni would hate it, wouldn't he? You yeah. Know, his system, play, his I mean, system, like he's all about yeah. running you off your legs and getting you tired and shooting the first available shot. It's like, yep, yeah, we're going to stop start every three minutes. It kills his offense a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think they just need to, they need to tweak it a little bit. Like like all things, you know, we see it in everyday life and in politics. It, it goes from one extreme, oh, we got to fix that. To, and then it goes, it goes way past the balance. It goes to the other extreme, and then it takes a year or two to, to, to reel it back in, back to where it should be. And I hope, I assume the NBA is going to be looking at it because these games, some of these games, are going for three hours, and you're like, no, this, this, this is not, this is not a good TV product. And they love the, you know, the the, the, the arena fans, but the the what, what butters their bread is, is TV viewership. And if people are turning off for whatever reason, they don't like that. So I, I think they'll probably look at it, the board of governors meeting and the rules committee and. Maybe just a little tweak, and then there's also that 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 mindset of like, what's the difference between the out of bounds call in the last two minutes and the first two minutes? You know, they they do affect the score the same way, essentially. Like if you're looking at it that way, right? So maybe we go back to referees are going to make mistakes, and you know they're human, and and we move on if they make a mistake. But um, I think society is to blame for these reviews to an extent because we we wanted it, right? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. All right, moving on to the NBL. I'm going to lead in with this pro. Wicks with one last three. The 17-year drought is over. All hail the Kings. Sydney, the NBL 22 champions. 
So you're NBL champions, pro. So, you know, 17 years, a long time between drinks. Got there a couple of years ago, fell short of the Perth Wildcats. Um, kiss a ring, baby. But yeah, 3-0, the Jack Jumpers were tough. Uh, they, were, they were really, really tough. Adams there in, uh, in Tasmania made some huge shots, especially in game three, just to keep them in the game. He was making some ridiculous stuff. Like, like it was an elite, high-quality game. Uh, game one, we win pretty easily, as you know. Our MVP and league MVP goes down, Jalen Adams, for us. He was out the rest of the series. So we had every excuse to have this go, you know, maybe four or five games or even potentially be, you know, a bit sketchy. But we had so many different guys step up uh, throughout the series. And um, Xavier Cooks was the finals MVP. He, he was 19, 11.7 rebounds and 5.3 assists a night in a 40-minute game pro. So he was he was huge for us. I mean, he's a fringe NBA guy. Um, I think he'll get some looks at Summer League again. And, and she should, he should be on a roster as a role-playing Four five, uh, I believe, but you know, for the Sydney Kings' point of view, we hope we hope he's back, but we also hope he has more success. You know, in the if it is the NBA, we support it, but we, we hope to have him back. Jarrell Martin was fantastic for us. Um, you know, he had uh, twenty two and seventeen at a real effective clip, nine for twelve from the field. So he was massive. Sean Bruce, um, he's a quiet achiever, but with our point guard duties, past first point guard, he had high assist games in numerous finals and playoff games for us. He's not often celebrated, so I thought I'd mention him. Really looked after the ball well. Ian Clark, pro, he had a stinker of a first half in game three. I don't think he made a shot till about five seconds left in the first half. Hit a buzzer beater. Um, turned the ball over, didn't play well. and So I go back to the hallway with about 20 seconds left before the halftime siren. I try to get to the locker room and just see how guys are going, the body language. And he was he was walking head down, fists balled up, um, wasn't too happy. And I kind of knew like he's he's locked in. Uh, he's locked in for the second half, and then he, he you know he finishes the game with twenty two points. Hit every every kind of kind of Tatum esque um, in context of every time Tazzy made a run, he'd come down and hit a big three or a big shot for us, um, and got that done. We even got a parade pro. The government threw the Sydney Kings a parade yesterday. How'd that go? Yeah, it was good. Uh, not, not nothing like the NBA. I mean, I think it was five hundred to a thousand people there, um, but parades just don't do well in Australia, even even for even for um, a, a bigger and better sports, essentially, our number one rating sports in the AFL parades just aren't support. But, but for the government to throw that and support it, um, and then the, you know, shout out to our players. They sat they sat there for two hours and signed autographs, uh, which was sensational. So I know there's a lot of angry people out there, pro, that uh, really angry the Sydney Kings got over the line, but um, <laughs> we uh, we we finally got it done. So it was, it was good, and you know, to be able to be there and celebrate with a bunch of guys that have been through all kinds of different things. It was um, a great series, pro. So sorry to your Jack Jumpers. Yeah, and if anybody knows and looks up the wrestler Greg the Hammer Valentine, and if you want to Google him, he's an exact replica of Scott Roth. So you know he was a wrestler from the eighties. He looks just like fucking Roth. And um, yeah, my guy, hey, my guys. Even though I don't know one guy on this fucking team, they fought really hard. They were my, you know, my one B in the uh, NBL. I wanted to see you guys win. Now, if you guys. If you weren't in the ownership, I would I would have been all Jack Jumper all day. But you know what? They'll be back. It, it, unless Ross not going to be back, then I'm off the jam, mm, the Jack yeah. Jumper. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, know. There's, there, are, there are some some quiet whispers. So he's had a tough couple of years, been stuck with COVID, hasn't seen his family. So I, I, I think the whole league hopes he's back. I hope he's back as a as a rival team. Um, but there are some rumblings that he 
he could be gone. So um, we hope that's not true, but we'll see what happens. But uh, we'll look at what Greg the Hammer Valentine. We'll look it up and maybe we'll post. Yeah, you got to look it up. Post something on our socials. No rest for the wicked, pro. The league's moved free agency forward. They're trying to get back on schedule for next season because COVID threw everything out. So the, the league's gone a bit longer. Free agency starts next week. <laughs> so that um. You know, no rest for our GM, Chris Pongrass, and, and all the people around the league. So to that, and, and a small little Twitter poll I did, uh, I put out, should team salaries in the NBL be made public? Um, and there was 1,600 votes and 70, 77%. Yes, pretty emphatic. So um, the reason why I bring this up is there's a lot of people out there that said, oh, the Sydney Kings bought a championship. Uh, we didn't. We, uh, we're not paying a cent of luxury tax to the league, which means we are under the cap just. We are just under the cap, testament to Chris Pongrass, um, putting that, that roster together. We had some injuries we had to deal with. Obviously, we brought in Ian Clark. A lot of people were like, how did you afford him? Well, he hadn't played for professional basketball for roughly a year, so there was some risk there from our point of view. We didn't know whether he'd be in great shape. We didn't know whether he'd come in and, and, and need to be babied into playing big minutes. Um, thankfully, he was that most professional and, and we didn't need to do that. But for those out there, um, I agree with, with salaries being made public. I wish wish we could. Um, I think it's a good thing, Pro. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, are on it. I, I don't think, you know, we go to the extreme of the US where we have individual player salaries, which I don't mind, but a lot of people push back on that and the union definitely pushes back on it. But as far as team salaries, I think it's a great story. You know, let's say we, let's say Team A is over the cap horrifically, like you know they're over the cap by half a million dollars, and now they're playing against a team that's, you know, maybe a Jack Jumpers or a Hawks that's way under. They can't afford to spend that. It's David versus Goliath storyline. So I think it's a good thing. I'm not sure where you stand on it, bro. You know, look, the all overseas thing's pretty strange with the salary stuff. It's never out in the open, like any country. You know, you hear stories from agents or whatever what guys make, and nobody really wants to do it. But of course, when you win it, they're going to say things like, oh, you you bought the championship, blah blah blah." Um, I don't know. I I think I think it all should be public. But then again, sometimes it, these characters who run these overseas teams they they don't want anything they do public. So you know, for one reason or another. So I don't know. I, I think it should be, but you know, I, I guess every country is different in how they do things. So yeah. I would I would say open it up, but it, you know, there's there's no real reason not to have it open up. Would you like it? I would, I would. I I, I just think the NBL. This is my point um, as to why I think the NBL dies a PR death for four or five months a year um, in the off season. Like it's just not spoken about really. Besides the diehard fans, the media is not really writing about the NBL in the off season. It's hard to get any traction in the newspaper because there's no games on. I think this is. This is where the NBA does such a great job. They they have a PR cycle every month of the year. We've spoken about this. Like we spoke about it last off season, where you know the podcast went to every two weeks in the off season, and we're like, holy shit, there's almost more news in the off season than there is in right. I think that's where it helps the NBL if you can you know make have that debate, have people say, oh that player's not worth this much, or he's worth more. How do they pay him this? How could they afford? You know, I think they're great debates, pro pro or con, whether you're against them. Or forum, I think those discussions are needed, and that that will continue conversation of the NBL basketball in the off season. Whereas right now, it's just not really spoken about. So that's why I would like it. Um, I know the union, for whatever reason, doesn't like salaries being released, and the players aren't huge fans of it. But as a guy that played in both leagues, um, it is what it is. I mean, people know you, what you're making roughly, and I think it's a good thing, and I think it creates transparency. You know, if people if, if teams are potentially doing something a bit shady where you're like, hang on a second, are you, are you, are you really paying him more than that? 
if a team comes in and offers more than what you've reported, you're paying him and, and it gets turned down, then you're like, hang on a second. Like you said, you're paying him 300. We offered him 400. He turned it down in the blink of an eye. We don't believe you're just paying him 300. There must be something else going on. I think it creates a lot more honesty around the league and I think that's a good thing. So there's, there's a number of reasons why I get why the play, some of the players don't like it. They don't want to be in the spotlight like that. They don't want people knowing. But I think for the league to grow forward, I think um, the more news and stuff we can get that people can talk about and get fired up about, the better. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I'm on board with that. Yeah, yeah. So we shall see. I'll bring it up at the owners meeting with uh, good old Larry. Liz Cambage, again, has, has uh, been in the news now. The reason I wasn't going to talk about this, but the reason why I did is because our friend Andrew Gaze has had a had a hell of a take on it. But um, her, team, her former teammate now of the Australian – Opal's Jenna O'Hay, Jenna O'Hay was on uh, just a TV panel talk show on the ABC Pro. That's a government-funded news network. I watched it. Yeah, I saw that. You saw I it. Saw um, and she just basically yes. got asked point blank. There's rumors that she she called the Niger, told the Nigerians to go back to their third world country. Now, that was, in my opinion, the PG version. But uh, can you confirm this? She said yes. Um, Liz has somewhat came out and denied making these comments completely, uh, basically said the truth will come to light, one of those cryptic Instagram posts or whatever it was along those lines. Well, I'll tell you this, if the, if the video recording that the Nigerians have comes to light, I think <laughs> the truth will come to light and much more because like I said, as you and I both know and have spoken about, that there was much more said than that. But Andrew Gaze, uh, he's does a radio show with uh, a guy named Andy Marr and the station's called SEN. This is about ten minutes, pro. But uh, let's have a, let's have a listen to this because I don't I don't usually see Gazy off the fence too much. I don't see Gaze mm-hmm. going too hard one way or another. For context, mm-hmm. which you'll explain, he was a board member of Basketball Australia at the time when when not not for this previous indiscretion, but before that, and he's had dealings with Liz numerous times. So I'll play this and let it run out. Get comfy, pro, and have a listen. Let's do it. We, I want to talk about Liz Cambridge. It's a pretty big issue. Is, is is this the right time and place? Because right. some every now and again, you, you, you just put the brakes on. Well, let's let's not bury right. the lead today for you, because this is exactly what you were wound up about. You, I think you've taken some of the commentary around this mm-hmm. quite personally. Yes, I have. I think I, I have. I'm not going to deny that. I, no, I know that. It's, I'm, I said I think you have taken some of this quite, and you mm. rightfully so, given the fact that you were on the board of Basketball Australia and some of Basketball Basketball Australia's. Uh, um, management mm. of this has been slightly brought into question. Well, I I think that uh, so we have some audio here. Do you want to kick off any? Do you want to? Well, kick do off we need the, to explain what's happened first? Do you, does the Kelly Underwood Liz um, General Hay stuff help you explain it? It does, but just for the audience okay. out there, I just didn't know whether we wanted to provide a brief summary of Liz Cambridge. You go yeah, and the way and then we'll play in, what happened on Sunday in, on Outsiders. Most people remember prior to the Olympic Games is it was a week out before it started. She got involved in an altercation with Nigeria and. Uh, in a practice game, in preparation. Yep. And the Opals and their leadership group decided we can't tolerate this behaviour. At the time, we didn't know exactly what the the behaviour was. Subsequently, it did become for those that were around and in the inner circle that, that there was a there was a pretty strong leakage about exactly what happened, but mm. it was kept under wraps and she didn't swept play. under the carpet. And uh, swept under the carpet, some people would say. Oh, I would say that for Liz's benefit, I would, I would say. Correct. If there was any covering up of this or attempt to not let it get out, am I right in saying it was to help so. Liz Cambage? I hope. I think so. In in the prospect that perhaps uh, that sometime in the future that she may understand the mistakes that she had made. And that, that perhaps there could be some type of reconciliation and that she would be available to play because there's no doubting her basketball talent is 
elite and very, very unique. There's not too many six foot ten girls running around that can do what she does. Nothing about what she does on the court, but how she is as a teammate yep. that was called into question. And then since then, so there was that underlying current about, well, what really happened? And Jenna O'Hay uh, was on the Insiders program outsiders. yesterday. The, uh, oh, the outsiders. Outsiders? Isn't it the Insiders? Insiders politics, outsiders sport. That's oh, how it works. I get, I get it mixed up all the time. Yeah, sorry about Kelly that. Kelly Underwood did a magnificent job mm-hmm. taking us through. Is now the right time for you, and then you can bounce off the back of this? I think so. This is how that conversation between Kel and Jenna O'Hay took place. I'm living my best life. I'm supported. I'm protected on a level that the Opals or the Australian team never gave to me. My heart lies with those who want to protect me and those who want me to be the best I can be. Um, and I never felt that in the Opals at all. I can hold my head up high and say that I always loved her, always cared for her, always supported her, always had her back. Uh, I think that is her reality. And I think the listeners and watchers out there can believe who they want to believe. Uh, but yeah, I can hold my head up high. And, and this all started in that um, training game or the, the pre-Olympics game when you played Nigeria. And, and it's never really emerged what happened, but I've had it confirmed from a few sources. Is it correct that they were playing Nigeria and Liz Cambage was had her feathers ruffled and she turned to them and said, go back to your third world country? And of course, Ezi Maggabor is, uh, is originally Nigerian, a Nigerian who's now living in Australia and playing for your team. And as a re- result, there was a brawl that erupted. And since then, you haven't spoken to her. That is all 100% correct. The brawl, was that between yes. Ezzy and Liz? Where, where was the where did the brawl? No, Ezzy Magnum, she's Nigerian. It was it was it was between Liz and, and the, the Nigerian, Nigerian opponent. Okay, so that's right. And yeah. I think that that was a, a brief brief summary of some of the things that took place. There are other versions that that were far more offensive than just saying you're going from a third world. Well, far Andrew more. Bogut's waiting and, on that on Sydney and, Radio today. Well, yeah. now whether that's true or not, yeah. I, I I understand Jenna O'Hay. She's not. She's just repeating what was said, and she said, "Yes, that is correct." I be, my understanding, there's even more to it. That's even more disgusting than what was actually said. And do you believe that? Uh, there's no reason why I shouldn't. There's no because it's been said by a number of people who I think would know. Yep. But above and beyond that, and the thing that really, really grates at me is when she makes the comments to say she feels supported in Los Angeles and um, the, uh, at a level that wasn't there with the, the Australian team and the, su- the suggestion that she was never supported by Australia, the Opals or Basketball Australia, th- that is highly offensive. I have been in a privileged position to be on the board of Basketball Australia during some, many much of her time, and I had a long conversation with her directly, and unfortunately, I couldn't have that conversation just one-on-one. Her agent had to be there. Right. And we went through some of the issues that were clearly apparent issues about where your priorities need to be, and there was a complete lack of understanding that, well, maybe I'm not wrong, but I can see another side uh, of the Refu- argument. Refuse to Refuse see. Refuse to see that the, the, her behaviour yep. was not there. There has been other... Uh, can you can you illustrate and, any of that or is it stuff that... I don't best? think it's appropriate, okay, but, right but just yep. to say that yep. that, that, okay. that was a conversation that I was disappointed. I couldn't even have that conversation with her personally. Yep. It was, had to be... Yep. So that right there, there is an element of trust that I, I, I was asked to do it. I was asked to do it as a... A figure in basketball, someone is on the board that had an understanding of where the, of the issues that the board were facing in her, and 
we couldn't have that as a one. But it didn't worry me at the time. Okay, I don't care. This is I'm 100% transparent here. I'm mm. trying to find a, a solution to the to the conflict that was array, that was arisen. In addition to that, there was some behaviour that Liz had that under any reasonable judgment that there would have been some significant repercussions that 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 you know that that, that were there that that she was supported not just by me but by others along the way so so let me just clear get an understanding of what you're saying there are you saying that that Liz Campbell did some things that you were dealing with and then a lot of it's documented and 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 had and you tried to help her through it 100% and and to say that she wasn't supported is 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 unfair. It is grossly unfair, and you know, I, I have great sympathy and compassion for, you know, where she was at at, at that point in time, and and there may have been some confusion about where I need to be, her schedule, her timetable, all those things that are there. But the bottom line, she made some decisions that didn't support her teammates. Yet, despite that. Her teammates supported her during yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah. Now the problem is, in her mind, she didn't think she was letting anyone down. And I'm talking about whether you show up. Yeah. You show up. Yeah. To prepare to represent your country, and so so for all the things, and and there might be times when she has certainly suffered some hardship. I don't know what they are, but they might be there. I'm not saying they're not personal issues. But to suggest. Other personal, Whatever. Yep. team, yep. Yep. the normal things. Yep. But but the suggestion on this particular incident and others that the, the her teammates, her coaches, Basketball Australia or anyone wasn't supporting her, that is offensive. Mm. That is offensive to people who are going out of their way to try and put in place a system where she can actually perform to her best. And it takes two. You, you don't get paid for representing your country, you, or very, very little. That's not your sole source of income. It's about honour. Yep. It's about privilege. It's about a sense of responsibility. It's about looking at your life and seeing how other people have provided you a privileged opportunity to be, to to perform to the highest level, and when you don't respect that, and in fact you go the other way and say these people have actually harmed me, that is disgusting behaviour yeah. by her, yeah. and it's offensive to me. It's offensive to anyone that's represented our country that that's her position. Uh, there's not much more to say about that. That is uh, powerful stuff from you. I think the fact that. I'll put this to you: the fact that General O'Hay, who I think is an uh, um, an, an athlete of high integrity, mm. the fact that she was prepared to publicly say what she did, uh, and put the team's position the way she did on national television on Sunday well, it's morning. It's an insult to her. That, that, of course it is. It's, a, it's oh, an absolute it, slap in her face. Of course it is, Who's mate. her friend. Of course. Defended her at the club level. Of course. Managed her baby. He looked so after you think her. So about, think about the levels that you've been, you were brought in to try and um, deal with, right? Think you, you will know this better than me, but think about, I can only imagine what the long-term teammates, national-level teammates of Liz Cambage have been – Texting her, calling her, hey, buddy, hey, mate, we need you. Not just in the last 12 months. No, no, this would have been going on for years to try and get her to see. Embrace her. The common good. Provide Of course, of course. Provide an area where you feel secure. And, And they do. 
They don't have the resources. No, Everyone no, no. thinks that, that it's not about that, Andy. This is a privilege. It's so disappointing. It's so disappointing. Um, look, let's get a break out of the way. I, I applaud you for your uh, authenticity and your emotional honesty. Uh, good on you for saying what you've said. I feel like you've been sitting on this uh, that, for a that, little that, while that now. And no, no, this I, 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 I get I've it. supported. I've you know even when there's times I'm thinking, geez, I'm not sure about this, but listen. Oh, people sometimes they're different. You want to give them a cuddle, but when you just throw it in someone's face, yep. look, those comments yep. alone, yep, that 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 just tipped me over the edge. Where oh, the, oh, I've is, never been. Is I've, she lost to Australian basketball now? Absolutely. Yep. yep. There's well, no. How can you come back from that? There's no coming back now. How can you? No. no. Now maybe there's a there's a holier than thou moment where she sees the light and understands that hey, maybe I've made a few blues. Mm. And maybe in time you can go through it, but the way the way she speaks now, it's that we are privileged to have her, mm. not that well, she is privileged to have an opportunity to wear our colours. There you go, bro. That is, I know it was long, but the reason why I bring it up is Andrew Gaze rarely gets fired up like that, <laughs> like rarely, rarely, rarely. And his equivalent of his firing up is like us dropping fifty f bombs, right? So. He brings that up. Um, you can hear the passion in his voice and the disappointment because I know for a fact that um, you know they had numerous meetings with her and tried to support her as much as they could, not just in this last indiscretion, but for the last decade. When he gets fired up like that, you listen. There's a there's a huge issue, right? Um, I don't know what you thought about it, um, but it's it's disappointing that she's throwing her teammates under the bus because I know for a fact that they this is a danger with appeasing people. We, we bring it up a little bit with the Kyrie thing, how you said, you know, you got to deal with the bullshit a little bit because it's a star. This is the dangers of appeasing people that make massive indiscretions and giving them, oh, we'll, you know, maybe we'll figure it out for you. Or how can we further support you? We know you had a, you shouldn't have done that, but we'll, this is the danger of it, bro, because you normalize the behavior. And if you get away with it once, you get away with it twice, you get away with it three times, you play against a Nigerian team in a closed door friendly and you say some say and do some things that you know no 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 one should do or no one thinks you should do. Um, and then I assume she probably thought, ah, oh, it'll be a day or two and then I'll be fine again. Um, and and this is the case. I don't know what you thought about it. <sighs> you know, you read so much about her. You know, you read so much about her. Besides Gage's comments, like you just read so much. It's like, when is there anything ever fucking positive that comes out of her mouth? Comes out of like, like to me, she's like Demarcus Cousins, right? You can't win with her. She's not a winner. She's, I think she's had two winning seasons in her whole WNBA career. You know, calls out teammates, calls out the league, calls out this, calls out that, you know, has this thing with Nigeria. Um, that obviously is way worse than what people think it is. And it's going to come out eventually. Someone's going to have something. And, you know, to have something like Andrew Gaze, who's like mild-mannered as fuck, go that, like, you know, that radical as far as, like, out of character to sort of blast her, it just tells you. She's she's delusional. She's a loser as a basketball player, not as a human being. I don't know anything about her. But you just, like... When things get tough, she just fucking, get, you know, it's just all about her. It's not about anybody else but herself. And, you know, look, it's not like she's Shaq and she's winning these championships. Has she ever won anywhere? Like, I don't think she's ever even been in the finals. And you just always hear this controversy of what she has. And she always just, like, complaining about everything. Teammates, this, that, the league, you know, 
you know, calling that guy like going racial on that guy that called the 300 pounds, you know, calling him a little white man or whatever. Yeah. Like, that. like yeah. you know, there's always something with her. Well, pro, she, she, another comment that Gaze was referring to, you, you probably wouldn't know, there was a, an, an Australian Opals national team training camp, mm-hmm. which, which she had shown up four days late for because she wanted to go to a music festival, you know, yeah. um, and they appeased that. You know, this is my point. Yeah. You, you know, you oh, it's bad. I don't like it. You know, but I, I think um, Brendan Joyce at the time was like, no, I'm not. She's not coming. She's not coming on tour. Then we're not bringing her. But I think Basketball Australia realized, like, oh shit, she's still our star. We, we need to we need to me- me- fix this. And then they fixed it, brought her back in, and it's like, oh, maybe it was okay what I did. You know, so it's you just got to be real careful to appease. Everyone makes mistakes. Um, you know, but if it's continuous and the ramifications aren't hard enough, which you know, the national team didn't handle well when this all came out. There should have been a public statement. There should have been a release about what she said uh, rather than it coming out a year later or two years later. Nip it in the bud and say, "You look, she messed up. These were the comments along these lines and where there's, there's severe ramifications, but they appeased. And this is this is where it, where it shoots you in the butt. You appease this and eventually, not only is it going to blow up for that player, but it's going to blow up for everyone involved. And this is why Gaze is so fired up, I think. you know, um, they, In hindsight, they probably would handle it differently, but they try to support as much as possible. And her teammates, I know for a fact, I know girls on that team that I've spoken to that went out of their way to try and keep this all in-house, previous indiscretions before the big one, big blow up. You know, different things um, on and off the court. Um, they tried to keep it in-house and support her and knew how kind of vulnerable she was to just clicking and snapping and did everything they could in their power and then they get shat on at the end of the day. And they know, you know, their voice isn't as big as her. She's got a big media presence, but to say that she's not supported in Australia, I thought it was noteworthy. I thought, you know, that people would want to hear that. I know I've had my battles with her. Like I said numerous times, this isn't. This is just all factual. And But to have Andrew Gaze fired up, you kind of, you know what time it is, pro? Uh, what time is it, bro? <laughs> no, you know what time it is, figure of speech. If Andrew Gaze, <laughs> no, if Andrew Gaze but, is fired up, but yeah. No doubt about it. It's just, look, to be honest, I wouldn't let that happen with anybody if I was running a team. But like, it ain't like she's Diana Taurasi. It's not like she's super. Yeah, but she like is she's the she's good. the best best Australian female basketball player, right? So that's currently active, right? So they're scared of... yeah. Number one, they're scared of not having her because she's a great player. Number two, they're scared of her media presence. So if she shits on them, she's got a bigger voice than basketball Australia combined. So it's all those factors, but it's, I agree, it's still not right. You don't appease that kind of How many of medals have they won since with her on the roster? I have no idea. I'm not even... I'm not know. sure. I think there's been a few. I think there's been a, a few, maybe a bronze or a silver. I'd have to look it up. Okay. But there, there have been a few. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still not the point. You've got young, young kids, young girls coming up through that program that see that her t- very own teammate is, you know, born in Nigeria and a Nigerian family to, that was, you know, mentioned in that interview. So it just sucks. Um, but it was notable because, you know, like I said, Gaze isn't one to to, to go after people and, and, and go, go too harsh on people, but for him to make those comments, because he was affected, he was on the board. So he's, right. he's been, sh- he's been shat on, um, you know, some collateral damage and I don't think he appreciated it. So to see him fired up um, is one thing, but I think there's there's some bigger issues. And I, I don't think she plays for the national team ever again. I think that ship has sailed. Uh, I even think with a new board, a new GM, you just can't go back to that now. Um, I think you just rebuild your national team program with the young talent they have and girls that want to be there and represent the country. Gaze is right. We don't get paid. What we do get paid is a per diem. We don't get money. One of the few national teams that that you know I know rugby and a few other teams get paid. We don't. So you're playing you're playing for that reason. You're not playing. So I think 
you know, we've gone on about it for days, but uh, just something notable from gays. But let's get to our useful or useless real quick and then our fact or fake news and get out of here. I'm going to go NBL, useful or useless pro. Uh, we discussed a few of these actually. So, okay, Ian Clark becomes the second NBL player with both an NBL and NBA ring. Useful or useless pro? Useless, but who was who the other guy? Andrew Gaze. Ah, okay. oh. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I, I wasn't a player. So it's Andrew Gaze, actually. Uh, oh, Gazy. Oh, that's right. San Antonio, right? Come on, man. It's pretty useful for the NBL. You know, it doesn't happen that often. Just to get an NBA, actually get an NBA talent back into the NBL, like an Ian Clark. He was a pretty valuable player for them in that championship run. So No doubt. But my thing is it's like random. It was more random than like – yeah. Yeah, that's why I was saying no. It's that it's awesome, obviously. But don't backtrack now. Our listeners are going to kill you. No, I'm not. It's fucking random as fuck. I don't backtrack <laughs> on anything. First of all, I don't. I don't move well laterally or back and forth, so I'm good. Oh, you can back up. You're just going to put the, the beep, beep, beep noise on. The beep, 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 yeah. No doubt. Um, all right. Chase Buford becomes the first U.S. coach to win an NBA, NBL title since 2009. I say it's, I, I say it's useful. I think it's useful because it tells you how hard it is a lot of US coaches struggle. We see what Scott Morrison did with the Perth Wildcats. They didn't even make it. Mm-hmm. But it is an adjustment of a league that, you know, it, it is refereed differently. It's 40 minutes. Uh, FIBA's much more tactical. So mm-hmm. I think that's impressive that the guy that won it in 2008-9 was Brian Gorgian with the Dragons. So um, it's been a long time between drinks. All right, Wani Swakalobuluk, who is a defensive stopper. He has three NBL rings and he's only 20 years old, pro. Useful or useless? That's pretty fucking useful. That's pretty good, man. Mm-hmm. Now, does he yeah. play at all? Does he play a lot? He was a, he was our starting defensive stopper. He played about twenty five for us, thirty minutes. He he, he okay. got the task of shutting down all the import guards we played against. He was phenomenal for us. He was with the Perth Wildcats. He was more of a role player for them. Didn't play a whole lot, but still three three rings at twenty, man. You take that. Sign me up. So very very useful. Okay. Makua Maker is the first next star to win a championship in the NBL. Useful, useless. Nah. Useless. It's pretty. It's pretty random. I mean, he was on the. He's on a championship team. Yeah, so I think. It, I think. It, I think it's useless just based on the next stars only being around for. I mean, he's a great player and he's he's done. He had a fantastic rise. Like he didn't play a lot early. Has come along really well for the Sydney Kings the last uh, two or three months of the season. But yeah, useless in the context of the next star hasn't been around that long. So if it was around for forty years and he was the first, I'd be like, oh shit, you know, because okay. usually these these next star kids are kids that. Are expecting to come in and play big minutes, a la Lamelo, RJ Hampton, and their team suck. And the team's just invested in like we're going to play this superstar. Hopefully, he gets drafted. We get a bit of the the buyout money, and we're happy. So to have right. a kid, have a guy like this come in, play play to his role, play well, win a championship. I think it's good. But yeah, next star rule has not been around long enough. Flew McIntyre becomes the first female NBL NBL champion. Pro, useful or useless? Obviously useful. Our, our assistant yeah. coach. Yeah, useful for sure. U- useful, you know. See, uh, we love, we love to uh, kind of separate people these days by by gender and race and all that stuff. But Flu is, I, I don't even look at her as a as a female coach. I look at her as a coach. She's she's a gun. Did a phenomenal job for us. Um, brings kind of a, a, a different temperament to our locker room, which I really really like. She's a she's a thinker. Um, she's done di- many different things throughout her life, coached a lot of basketball out there in WA, and that was a shout-out to Luke Longley for, for getting her involved with us because she's been absolutely huge. You know, I will say this on record. Sometimes, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, sometimes these hires can be tokenistic. Sometimes teams will do it 
you know, not so much in, in the NBL, but, you know, like workplace and whatever, like try to have the, the whole equality thing, you're going to get the job because we need to fill a quota. Right. Flu is not that, not that, not that, not that lady. She she is phenomenal. She she's up there with with male coaches um, in the NBL and, and that I've worked with. So I just want to put that on record that she's she's phenomenal because I hate sometimes people think that it's just you know oh you're doing it just to, to fill a spot or whatever. Well, but this was not the case. Yeah, to me, I just don't like when it's like female coach, black coach, white coach. Like I just like she's a coach. She's good. She's a coach, hundred percent. Yeah, that's, that's my just, point. Let's just let's just keep it moving. No, I I think it's useful for sure though. But I just think, hey, look, she's a she's a good coach. She brought value. You guys won a championship. Fuck, that's great. So yeah, yeah that's why I think it's useful. I agree. I, I don't want to separate by all these small little details. She's a great coach. Let's leave it at that. Uh, final one would be the Sydney Kings break the NBL grand final record. Uh, we had uh, sixteen thousand one hundred forty nine people at the game, which was great. Useful, useless. That's useful, Bogs. But uh, you know how are you going to deal with that four hundred twenty two thousand dollars charge in your black card? Uh, who's going <laughs> to give you that up? Damn. Uh, I don't have a black card first and foremost. I'm not that silly. But yeah, no, it was, it was a great crowd. Uh, it was a great crowd. Yes. And people that, that came, we had a lot of first-time fans that came to that game three. So you could call them bandwagoners, but so be it. New fans are new fans. And they said they're going to be back because they said they, holy shit, we didn't know this was going on in Sydney. We didn't know there was you know the entertainment. We didn't know there was mascots. We didn't know I could order a beer to my chair in some of the seating. We didn't know... So I think a lot of people got that experience. It's different to, to our football. Our football's four, five, six hours by the time you drive down there. The game goes forever. Yeah. You drive back. Basketball, two, three hours, in and out, you're home. You're in a warm building or a cold building, depending on the weather outside. It's air-conditioned, it's heated. Very easy to get drinks um, indoors, like I said. So a lot of people have appreciated that. But uh, that is my useful useless this week, Pro. What do you have for a quick fact or fake news? And then uh, we'll get out of here. Bogues, let's go quick with this. We'll go first one. Do you, Doc Rivers will be the coach of the Sixers next year. Fake news. I think he's out. I think he's out. I think he's out. Yeah, I think, I think he's writing's on the wall. Writing's on the wall. Yeah, you know what I think is going to happen? I think they're going to allow the Lakers to talk to him, and then they're going to ask for like multiple second-round picks to get something for him. I don't think they're going to out-and-out fire him. I think they're going to let him go if, they, if the Lakers want him. Um, I think they're going to let him go and and then ask for you know whatever in exchange. But I don't think he's going to be the coach. Yeah, I, I think, think he's his exit comments kind of said it all to me. I think he's yeah. kind of the white flag was up a little bit to an extent, and I yeah. think he's out. Uh, Kyrie Irving will be a Brooklyn Net next year. Fact, I I, I think you know after you, you've probably led me more more down this path. I think what else are they going to do? Um, I think just based on that, I don't they don't have a lot, a lot of flexibility. They made the move for Ben Simmons. What else are you getting? You're not going to get a better player, that's for sure. You just might have to deal with a bit of the shenanigans. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think I think Irving will be. It's a lot of money for him. Um, I think there would be somebody that tries to get him, but again, cap room and all that. Everybody knows each other. They know it's a pain in the ass. But I think I think at the end of the day, they're going to be like, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? You know what I'm saying? So I yeah. think he will be. I think he will be there. And the last, but certainly not least, James Harden will be a Sixer next season. Fact, based on the same argument, I think. Um, and then, and then, probably even more fact than the Kyrie one, just because of the Maury relationship. I think. What else are they going to do? Um, I do say fake news on the long term. I, I agree with the reports. I don't think they're giving him that five, six year, whatever it is, a five year that he's eligible for. I think it's going to be a tweaked, a tweaked two or three year, maybe. Um, but he will be a Sixer next year, pro. Yeah, agreed. I, I definitely think he'll be a six of next year as well. I don't think he's going anywhere. 
Beautiful. That wraps up another episode of the Royal Bogues podcast. Pro did his intro, so give us another rating. I think the first one was better, Pro. I've got to say, the first one, because I sprung, I sprung it on you out of nowhere and you were just a little rattled and just went for it. Yeah. I think that this one you might have been thinking a little too much. I had to really get this one good. So I really didn't think. I thought of, it was literally a seven second thought. So, you know, I that's, hopefully that's I just a long get thought me. for you, though. That's a long no thought. Jesus. Are you, okay? are you okay? Are I you graduated okay? with a 2.0. Oh, yeah, nothing that uh, three or four cheese pizzas wouldn't fucking uh, wouldn't solve. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully this will get me fired from doing them so I don't have to do that bullshit ever again. But I'll still continue to do them. But oh, it's we'll all about the fans. Happens. If they give us the feedback, we'll let them know. But at Hoop Consultants for Pro, remember he does scouting stuff, video stuff, whatever you need. Um, wherever you are in the world, you can send some clips in and he can um, give you his thoughts and breakdowns on on different things, whether it's skill sessions, whether it's on-court stuff. Have a look at that on, on socials, at Hoop Consultants and then at Rogue Bogues, at Andrew Bogut. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. See you next week.